Hello, everyone. This is the Stronghold Podcast, episode 10, and uh, this is going to be a fun one. This is the first three-person podcast we've ever done, so I'm really excited for it. Never done this format before, so it's going to be interesting, but uh, I've got two of my good friends here, Greg from episode one, Greg Spears, and James Kwan, Kimura Kwan. Oh, James nice. is a... Yeah. nickname? Yeah, oh, Kimura shit. Kwan. By the way, he's got some good Kimuras. So Kwan is a... Kwan's a brown belt in jiu-jitsu, and I dare say nearing the black belt level. We'll see. And he's also a fucking PhD and a teacher at NTU and stuff, so more than likely he'll be fired after this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, everyone. So we were having so many interesting conversations before the podcast that I feel like I didn't want to talk too much because I feel like we could it's always the get way, into isn't it. it. I know. And we have a lot of beer. So Greg, as usual, did his job. I'm going to try to drink Southpaw today so you guys can not, so the beer's not in the shot, but we're. We're double fisting at this point. Mm. Okay, so there's some beer for you all. Okay, guys, so one thing <laughs> that we were talking about before is we all kind of trained. Greg's trained. Quan's a brown belt. And we were sort of talking about the, the fact that suffering is really, really an important part of life. And I really think it's applicable to martial arts because I think it's the sort of – it's the selling point. It's the cornerstone. Mm-hmm. Is like you don't get good at martial arts without suffering because everybody starts out as a white belt. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter your discipline. And when you start out, you're nervous and you're scared and it sucks and you're getting beat up all the time. And there's a certain amount of struggle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We all were. Even like me and Kwan, we were white belts, man. Mm-hmm. And there's just that suffering you have to go through. <laughs> and those people that come in, that train, like, and they're off time, they're basically paying to, for the pleasure of getting their ass kicked. <laughs> I'm a brown belt, but I identify as a white belt. Okay. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I'm a brown belt, and I identify as a white belt. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's why I show up to all the competitions with only a white belt. Yeah, Yo, you're that guy. Yeah. You're that guy. Goes to the <laughs> foreign gym wearing a white belt. You're like, Ugh. Reverse fake belt. Yeah, exactly. I just purposely <laughs> tie it the wrong way so it's vertical. I thought it was a tie. Yeah. <laughs> it's wrapped around your shoulder like a bandolier. Bandolier? Yeah. <laughs> bandolier? Band- I don't know. Uh, What's that word? I'm going to go with bandolier. No, but it's a good point because I, I, pull I that, agree. Pull that right up to your face, Quan. Get that robot dick near your mouth, buddy. Uh, yeah. That's it. No, I... I Okay, good. So, yeah, no, I, I agree entirely. I think that um, it's, I think what we were saying earlier, it's part of that human condition. We need to suffer to get through things. We mm-hmm. need to, and I think martial arts, in some weird way, at one point in time, was a necessity of life. It was a way to, of training for military arts. But in this day and age where we have a life that's kind of pretty easy, we're not dying left and right, uh, we're, it's in Singapore. Uh, yeah, in Singapore. Mm. Uh, well, yeah. Um, I find that it's a source where you can get back into that in an environment where you will suffer. And well, it used to be reconnect. forced on you, right? It used to be forced on you. Now it's sort of something you have to seek out, which yeah. is quite an interesting dynamic, I feel. It's a bit different because, but, well, we all do seek it out in some in way. In different ways, right? Yeah. yeah absolutely. Uh, whatever your pastimes are, whatever your hobbies are, it's a form of suffering. So, I mean, it's not necessarily like... Physical suffering, where you're getting your like joints twisted or whatever in jujitsu, but it's it could also be like if you're because I'm a total nerd, right? If you're a gamer, right? It's picking a low level character, and then you suffer all the way through to the end when you get those rewards or you learn a new language. You have no appreciation or understanding in the very beginning, and then you apply yourself and suffer all the way through, looking like an idiot, until you actually get that mastery. And that that applies in any anything like. Life is so, you can apply detail in such an infinitesimal way to anything. It's like, oh, look at this table. I wonder what type of melanin this is. Could we make this better? Is there a way to make this smoother and more durable? And it, it's like you 
you exist in a world with things that, it, that are at a certain level and then you can go in any direction and either make it better or attempt to make it better or learn how to do it. Yeah, or, or understand it yeah. or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And, and to just sort of expand on that, it is true. I mean, but there needs to be, in some sense, a reward at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. If you suffer endlessly... Carrots and sticks, right? It's mm -hmm. carrots and sticks. Yeah, if you suffer endlessly then and there is no end or there's no reward, it ends up going against your favor. So there is a balance mm -hmm. between how much you suffer versus the reward you get for mm -hmm. that. So that's why I think martial arts is, in some sense, in this day and age, so important because there is an end. There's the end of the class. You get that endorphin kick from your whatever training session that you had. You go home, you rest, relax, and you're sort of renewed in some sense. And it's even beyond that, too. It's the physical, like, you want to get in shape. You want to lose weight. Mm -hmm. That's something tangible that you can get if you want to start training. Exactly. Right? If you want to be a fucking badass, mm -hmm. right? You see, like, the black belts or whoever the, the beasts are at the gym. You see them training, and you're just like, oh, I want that. <laughs> like, I just want to be that. Whether it's the way they look, whether you the skill level, the observation of the mastery of the techniques that they mm -hmm. have. Like, depending on, like you said, what your what your avenue is, what your lane is, mm -hmm. you can go to the furthest degree. Mm -hmm. Whatever's interesting What's nowadays. Yeah. You know? It's a... I would love to look like God of War, not going to lie. Yeah. <laughs> that would be the boom, icing on the cake. Um, Which my wife says I look like now. Oh, yeah, getting there. Growing Boy. the beard out, the bald yeah, horn, yeah, 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 trying yeah. to get jacked, man, you lifting the weights. The, the red and the, the eye and stuff like that. Maybe Halloween next year. i got to gain about 100 kilos of ma muscle mass, and then I will. It's the people, but I always worry, it's the people that tend to, to shy away from that suffering, to not recognize that suffering is part of the process, that is a necessary part of the process of anything. Those are the ones that quit. You know, or yeah. whatever their thing is, whether it's martial arts or whether it's their college or whether it's their career or whatever, right? But if you think about, like, time, right? So if you've done one jiu-jitsu class and got, like, wrecked as a white belt, got rolled left and right, your reflection of that is 100% of the time that I was doing this, <laughs> I was getting, I was getting destroyed, Yeah, exactly. Right? But then it's like, oh, you know, people keep saying, oh, time just seems like it's speeding up the older I get. It's like, well, yeah, because when you were one, a year was like 100% of your life. And when you're 10, it was 10%. And yeah. then, you know, so it, it shrinks. All the, the more you do something, the more that time window shrinks and becomes manageable. Yeah. So it's not like, you know, you were talking about, oh, the suffering comes to an end when the class ends. Sometimes the beginning for the of the day, class, you're like, oh, I don't know if we're going to see this. What is yeah, this? I'm not going to make it what to the end of this. this ethereal thing of the end of class. That's like an hour from now. But then, you know, but then the, the more you do it, the more you appreciate how short that time can become, you know, and you just stack and stack and stack on top of each other. And it shrinks down that window and gives you perspective to look back. Because if you've only had like one class, your whole perspective is that one class, right? Just, I don't know. But it's interesting because you say that because in pull some that sense... Up, pull that up, Corn. Get that thing right in your mouth. Or it's falling down. But anyway, it, it, it's kind of... The only times, the, so the most vivid memories I have of training in jiu-jitsu are basically my entire white belt. Right. Like, right. blue, purple, and even parts of brown has, have been a blur. Yeah, it wow. just blends in it's together, It's just right? all the same. I don't feel any different than I was as a blue belt as I do now. But that's probably the two, you, that's the one year, two year, three yeah. year. Once you get over the hump, right? And the hump, there's various humps that you go through in jiu-jitsu. Like when you first start, there's like a three to six month window where you're just getting fucked up all the time. Like you can't, that's going to be tough for anybody that walks in the door. And then if you get through that one, you get a couple years, then you can start to win. And then there's like the blue belt hump. 
which is like the is it Socrates or somebody that says the, the the real genius is knowing how little you know. Yeah. And it's like when you do something enough, you start to see how much more. So if like you if you're a blue belt in jiu-jitsu, right? You've trained one to three years. Mm. It's just about one to three years in that you have some skill, but you also realize that there's seven to eight years worth more of yeah. this. So you learn just enough to realize how little you know and yeah. how much longer the path is going to be than you initially thought. So that's a definitely big hump. Once you get to like purple belt or brown belt, the odds are you're conditioned enough mm-hmm. emotionally and physically and mentally to stick it out more often than not. But there are those first few hurdles that you get to that, man, are just uh, they're mm-hmm. rough. But you've you know? sort of been vaccinated against the suffering. Like I, I look, you know, to keep with that theme of. I'm anti-vax suffering. over here. So yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not. I feel bad for your child. <laughs> <laughs> Should I call like Put CPS or like yeah. both new fathers? By the way, Quan oh, yes. and Greg, yeah, 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 both yeah. new fathers within the last cheers. two months. So ch- I'll yeah. cheers to that too. Cheers, brother. Both have beautiful You're kids. Not a dad, cheers. get out of here. Hey, <laughs> I, I have feelings too. He has uh, kids. He comes and beats them up. That's, that, well, yes. Uh, well, I guess that's what we have in common then. I, like by the way, I do not beat my child. <laughs> no, I'll do it for you. You pay someone <laughs> yeah, else to do exactly. that. Exactly. That's the thing. No, but it's a, uh, it's. Oh, now I lost my train of thought. <laughs> I totally lost the train of thought, too. Oh. We were talking about the humps that you yeah. get into. Well, it's like climbing from a mountain, right? The first yeah. couple of feet of a mountain, you're like, uh, I mean, doable, but then you're just staring up at the top of this thing. You get halfway, and you're like, okay, manageable, but damned, I still have a fuck long way to go, right, to get to the top. That last top, it's now icy. It's covered in, like, windy. You're the, no oxygen because it's so much higher up. You're like... Oh, this is a whole new level yeah. of finite skill set yeah. that I didn't appreciate when I was at ground level, you know. Yeah. And it, and it, y- you have the ability to look back and at where you've come, but you're like, yeah, but I remember that 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 rock that I nearly tripped over and whatever I I got over it. But how the hell am I going to climb through this ice? And that's the, where it gets super slippery and hard. And this is where people die at the top, you know. And so it's it's constantly readjusting your skill versus the difficulty and the knowledge that's available. And I mean, which black belt? Says, yeah, I'm done. Nailed I've mastered it. jujitsu. Yeah. Peace out. Yeah. Well, don't Anything they say about jujitsu, like I got it. Yeah. Uh, no one says it because people come up with new systems, mm. like Eddie Bravo's system or whatever. You know that takes traditional jujitsu. Or the leg locking game it. nowadays. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I mean it's a game changer. That's what we're talking about. Any infinitesimal change. And you know what's interesting too? I think the longer you, as you get older. You start to expand and you have more of these lanes that you get into. I mean, James and I were talking about sort of teaching earlier and the skill of mastering or to your, to your best, gaining mastery in some particular thing. And then when you achieve mastery, typically you'll start to teach that, mm-hmm. right? And so it's very common that let's say you get your black belt in jiu-jitsu mm-hmm. or you get your degree or whatever, your mm-hmm. master's degree in some, some thing. You're, uh, up to that point, all you're learning are the necessary components mm-hmm. and the sort of structure of what it is that you're studying. But then when you decide to teach it, you've entered into a whole new realm because the realm of teaching something, you have to have the base knowledge. That's mm-hmm. the prerequisite to be a good teacher. But then the actual process of teaching mm-hmm. itself is a whole new thing that you're starting out as a white belt. And, you know, something else uh, that's analogous to me is like owning a business. Mm-hmm. I mean, as a, as a gym owner now, this is my first business. And I kind of thought, you know, I'll be a teacher here and I'll teach these classes. But it's so much more than that. I have to be an admin. I have to try to like, get money. Mm-hmm. I have to try to bring in students. I have to market. Mm-hmm. I have to all of these things that I started out. I'm a white belt in that shit. Mm-hmm. And then like now it's this whole sure. picture that I'm trying to slowly gain mastery on in areas that I didn't even sign up for that now are sort of necessary for me to do my job well. 
And I think as you get older, you start to get into more of those realms, which is good because I think that shit's what keeps you young. Finding yep. new things to get good at, to skills to gain that supplement your whole sort of life, your life's work, mm -hmm. you know? Well, you be I mean, you become more whole as a person. You get your personal ethos and all this kind of stuff. But to your point of um, learning to be a teacher, like when you're learning things, it's the information flow is very one direction. It's like into the brain, from somewhere else into my head, right? And so you get the nuts and the bolts and everything. But have you ever, say, had a question about something and you go to ask someone that whatever you're pondering and halfway through asking the question, you go, oh, actually, no, wait, I got it, never mind, right? It's that rephrasing of something so you're now coming at it from a different angle. So you have to appreciate, so instead of just having like knowledge, you have to think about it from a different point of view and that in itself can like help switch and like fire off different connections and things like yeah. that. But it's, it's actually kind of interesting you say that because when I give my lectures, like maybe I should rephrase this in, in that when I first, when I was an undergraduate, I had a professor who made a very, sort of a very memorable comment. He said that when you learn, you sort of learn in threes. So the first time you hear it, it'll go in one ear out the other. The second time you go, oh, hey, and you might think about it a bit more. And it's usually by the time you, third time you've heard a concept, mm. that's when it starts to sink in, you really develop it. So when I teach at NTU, my goal- Can you say that two more times, by the way? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> usually my goal, at least when I, when, I, when I lecture, is to just get it so they actually have just the general words and mm -hmm. know that mm -hmm. something exists. Mm -hmm. I know for almost damn sure that they'll never Probably the moment they leave my class, they'll remember everything that I taught. Mm. But that's not the point. I'm hoping that someday, five years down the line, someone might make a comment and it might trigger it. Go, mm -hmm. oh, I remember that. And they'll know, they'll, in that process, maybe get more interest in it or maybe think about it in a bit more detail mm -hmm. and then develop it. At the end of the day, no matter what, as teachers that we say to them, is sort of just presenting material. Mm -hmm. They don't. Students, in my opinion, don't truly learn until they do it themselves. Yeah. Until yeah. they actively go through the process well, of self-learning, self-realization. Mm. I was going to tie Greg's point into yours because I was going to ask you, did you find that even stuff you may have been slightly vague on or ambiguous in your mind, like even concepts that you know, when you teach them, it reinforces, oh, yeah. it makes you realize even more and yeah. cements the whole thing kind of more clearly for you than even you thought just by trying to explain it somewhat so, to someone. This is yeah, so there's this one course that, I, uh, that I, I teach, and I use this one textbook that I used when I was in, that I had since graduate school. And for the life of me, it, I, I, I would read this book a thousand times, and I, I can't understand anything about it. When I'm forced to teach, I keep end up using it as a reference because it's just so comprehensive. Mm -hmm. And in the pro every year that I've now taught this course four times, and in the fourth year of teaching this course, I'm starting to finally click because I'm, yep. you know, I have to do it myself. I have to do the derivations. I have to mm -hmm. go through the process of what is in the textbook myself in order for me to be prepared to answer some of the most fundamental questions that are asked by the students. And then just imagine trying to teach that your first year and then trying to teach it your fourth yep. year. Yeah. And the level of not only understanding that you have, but the clarity with which you can dispel that information. And all the right? questions that have been asked in those three years where you're like, oh, let me think about it. Boom, exactly. here's your answer. Yeah, yeah that's I, exactly right. That's so why teaching is its own path of mastery. It is. Right? But when also I, I think for the, for the students, they need to realize that in some sense the teacher isn't just pouring a bunch of knowledge mm. into some bowl that fills your brain, mm -hmm. right? There is this um, old Greek philosopher that, w that gave a lecture 
on the idea of giving lectures. And he basically said that uh, when the purpose of teaching, I'm paraphrasing quite a bit, but the purpose of teaching isn't to fill a bowl of water, uh, fill a bowl with water, but instead to light a fire, of a kindling of mm -hmm, knowledge mm -hmm, so that mm -hmm. people engage or try to figure out things for themselves. They become inspired to learn on their own. And, and, and that's what I believe is true. Like, at the end of the day, the purpose of us as teachers, either in jujitsu or in engineering or whatever, or in brewing, it doesn't matter. The purpose is to inspire the student with something that they realize that, oh, I'm interested in this. Mm -hmm. I want to learn more about this. And they'll learn the most when they teach it to themselves, yeah. when they just do it themselves. Yeah. And it'll suck. I mean, they will suffer through that But there's that no learning process. like self-learning. Right. Yeah. There's, there's no learning like self-learning. If you yeah. want to run a business, you got to just do it. Yeah. You just kind of throw yourself in there. If you want to be a writer, you just have to write. If you want to be a beer brewer, mm. you have yeah. to just you brew. You make beer. Well, this is the, I mean, like coming back when I, <laughs> it's funny. I, I only felt like I knew what I was talking about months after I got my exam results and like passed my oh, yeah. and had the thing like, blah, 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 blah. So I'd come back from Singapore uh, sorry, from Germany, and I was sitting on the plane. And I had this very like, whoa, I know kung fu. Moment. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like I've got so much knowledge in my brain. What do I do with it? So I come back to Singapore, and our neighbors had this little kid who was like, where were you? What were you doing and for the past, you know, half a year plus? Um, so I told him that I was learning about beer, how to make beer, and he goes, oh, how do you make beer? So and he was like six. So I sat and broke down the whole brewing process to a six-year-old and on one piece of A4 paper, right? And he like ran away with it in his hand, like, I know how to make beer. Like, I'm a terrible <laughs> Sorry, we're Americans yeah, exactly. <laughs> with the eight and a half by 11. Yeah, so exactly. Okay. We, You're poisoning uh, the yeah. youth of Singapore. Uh, American paper, why? Yeah. Anyway. This kid's going to have a brewing kit and like eight years well, old in his thing. And the parents was, are going to be like. <laughs> it was watching him run out of the kitchen with his paper in his hand where I was like, damn, I actually know the stuff inside out. Because, mm. yeah, there were two points. It was that, and before that, I'd had a dream about being a yeast cell, right? Wow. And okay. just, like, um, fucking went through the hole. Hey, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hey, oh, man. my God. What the it, I was, it was during exam time. That's times. what your dreams are, bro? But it was, like, it was like learning <laughs> the tryptophan roots and how things change and all this, like, this changes to that and blah, blah, blah. So you have this, like, molecule that travels through your body. And it took these separate disparate concepts and put it all together in this chain where I was like, oh, oh, I kind of get it now. Like that, like I get the flow and I get what it means. And so like you can, one of the whole things about being a brewmaster is you need to, if I taste a beer, right? And if I taste one thing in that beer, I need to be able to think back to all the processes that happened and tell you where that went wrong. Right, so it's like, oh, this tastes papery. Boom, maybe it was oxidized. Oh, this tastes, you know, blah. Maybe it wasn't changed. Oh, this tastes like diacetyl. We didn't have the diacetyl. So like, you have to be able to go back and like pinpoint that, and you only get that if you know the whole flow and a lot of the variables that kind of go off it, right? But so how much of that was sort of learning by lectures wrote, and how much of that was learned through experience and just experimenting and trial and error? And sort of messing what, about. What yeah. percentage of it do you think took place in a textbook as opposed to the physical? Yeah. I mean, I, like uh, the yeah. so I real experience. So the f so I attempted to learn. This is what ties into. The, so you're a chemical engineer, yeah. right? So um, for my British system, so I did things like art, English, 
drama, general studies, politics, right? And then found this brewing course. I was like, oh, making beer, that sounds fun. And went to it. And every other person, pretty much bar four people who still did biology, chemistry, had done biology, chemistry, mass physics. Yeah. That was their four subjects, right? So I, and it was a four-year degree. I struggled through three, well, I passed all my grades up to three years. In the fourth year, I was like, uh, this is a lost cause. Like, I do not understand. So I came back to Singapore, worked in a microbrewery, and kind of things started to click a little bit more. And then I was like, okay, if I, I felt like I knew 85% of the facts, right? But then when I went to Germany, I was like putting all that stuff together, plus a little bit of like on uh, hands-on experience. Did they make you do hands-on? Sh- I mean, they I must mean, have, right? Dude, we, it was like... They had uh, that physically in a what, brewery? Yeah. Or well, it was, so it was like 7.30 to 4.30 p.m. was lectures, and then 5.30 to 9 p.m. was lab work every day. Saturdays we had off, and Sundays we brewed. Oh, so, so yeah, it was a comprehensive. But I mean, course, we also right? kind of brewed Germany. Saturdays, you know, like yeah. it was just it was seven days a week for six months, nonstop. Um, it was great. It was hard, hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Um, you know, being able to. Uh, there's a difference between understanding the process of brewing and then being able to like re-remember all my chemistry lectures, you know, at one point... You even talked to me a lot about carbonation and that oh how man. specifically that's a whole... Dude, yeah. that, I mean, that doesn't relate to taste... It totally di- does. I mean, it does, but not as directly as, like, the ingredients. You think, at least for me, I generally think of it more as, like, the fact that it's well, well carbonated, the well, foam... Well, it's not just that. I find that beer. if I drink flat beer, it's Sweeter. less acidic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it exactly. Because it's carbonic acid. Exactly. Right? Yeah. But so that's interesting. And then there's also the puckering. Yeah, yeah. There's also the, like, the level of the head, the I mean, bubble it all, size. It all ties right. together, right? So if you have like protein in a beer, that helps support the head formation. And the head, forma- uh, the head of a beer is just a protein matrix. That yeah. It's like a little, like a bunch of like fishing nets that are holding bubbles in that can't necessarily break because they're the the surface tension of the beer can't get out. Some right? beers are famous for their their oh, head. Yeah. Like I uh, mean, that's a whole beers, thing. things like that. I mean, even like a Guinness, right? You top down <laughs> a Guinness all the way as it slowly rises. I mean, that's like a well. You got to pour it. In, you got to pour it in two parts in seven minutes to make Guinness. There's you a specific. It. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so also, don't they use? They typically use nitrogen instead of. So. Nitrogen yeah. is At least my understanding of uh, some of the Guinness is that they prefer nitrogen instead of... Um, totally, because... So, if you're talking about CO2 versus nitrogen, right? You've got carbon dioxide, which is uh, carbonic acid, which has... It's got a bite to it. It's an acid, right? Yeah. So, it's going to give you more pucker to your beer. Um, it's, the bubble is larger. It's more effervescent. It'll kind of, like, pop and whatnot. Nitrogen... And it, you can... You can carbonate something at, so there's a there's a law that dictates the colder the liquid, the more um, exactly yeah. yeah the more so gas you can. So sorry. Um, so typically, if for liquids, aqueous solutions such as beer, um, you would have solubility is dependent on temperature. Totally. The lower the temperature, the more soluble. So if you actually want to degas something, if you want to remove all of the dissolved gas within a given yep. liquid, you want to boil it. Yep, heat it and up. And then you basically have no gas in there whatsoever. Totally. So just to give background, too, for the, the listeners, you, you're a brewer as amateur. Well, amateur I'm a... You're uh, as amateur you're brewer, as amateur man. Brewer, like, Well, whatever, you know. man. Like, yeah, you, you yeah. do it in your spare time. I do it for fun. For fun. So and you've done... How... Okay, so... Sorry to die, if I can... Go yeah, off. Yeah, yeah. Man. What kind of stuff have you brewed, and like, how much of it do you think? Time? Like, what level are you? Are you blue belt? Are you still white belt? I'm What's a white the, belt. No, no, I'm belt? I'm very much a white belt. I've probably made total at most eight to ten brews, but 
but I always do my best to change things up. So I made. What have you brewed of the like? So I've made a grapefruit pale ale. Yes. I've made two different types of amber ales. Love ambers. I've made a stout. I've just recently made a double IPA. Ooh. Not in terms of numbers, but the thing I'm most sort of happy with is I've made a sake beer hybrid. Ooh, okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, you so, told me about Did yeah. you give me some? You, mm-hmm. Yeah, did you I think I might have brought some. I was thinking of bringing I, some today, but I, I ended up not bringing it. I think uh, you People did, get you mad when some. I say sake is a beer. They're like, no, it it's not. Beer. It's not. No, no, sake, <laughs> so if is. you look at the process yeah, exactly. of making sake, yeah. it's more similar to beer than it is wine. What is it classified as? Is it classified as like a wine, a it's barley a rice, wine? They call it a rice wine, wine but mm. I, would call it, I would call it a rice beer. Totally. I yeah. would call it a rice beer. Super, you know, it depends on the you alcohol use, You use some degrees of hops, you use, it's basically the same mm. process. What's the percentage on a sake? Is it like 11-ish, like a wine? Change, right? It can be pretty yeah. high. Is it? Yeah. It Higher be. than what? Like, give, me, like give me a ballpark. 14 to, it could be anywhere between 10 all the way to 20, okay. depending on. It's like big barley wine. Yeah, kind yeah, of. yeah. But, but that's what I was thinking. Just to finish the point on the um, nitrogen CO2 thing. Yeah, yeah. So um, CO2 has a, it's a, it's a lot more soluble, right? So you, it's easier to put CO2 into beers, right? You hook it up CO2, put a keg on its side, rock it back and forth in a cold place, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, you come back, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, rock it back and forth through your foot, carbonated keg, right? And the pressure can be like one bar, right? Nitrogen is a pain in the ass because you need to have this stuff so fucking cold and then you need to bang it in. Like, you need to ram nitrogen into a beer so much. But you get uh, smaller bubbles. 100%, which gives you that mouthfeel, So that's the Guinness-y kind of thing that you get. That that creaminess? Which is quite nice. I mean, it's like... We do it with our style. It's almost like romantic, I feel like. Yeah, when you yeah, take yeah, a big yeah. drink and it's got that real heady foam to it that stays on throughout the whole beer. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I like aesthetically when I finish my beer and I can see foam Lacing. on the side of the glass. Yeah. I yeah. mean, that's... Then I know that there's a nice, good, solid stick to the foam. It's not... Wa- it doesn't taste as watery. And but you also know that that's quality of ingredients. It's either in the hop because you get the oils from the hops that help head retention or it's the protein in the beer that helps head retention. Like, you can see quality in a beer, right? Um... From the remnants that it leaves behind. <laughs> if there's no beer left, it was good beer, right? It's yeah. Well, not necessarily. Well, I drank some shitty stuff and I, I finish <laughs> it. <laughs> I finish I'm not going to yeah, waste yeah. it. To be fair, I just drink anything. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Yeah. I'm British. I'm nice, so of course I'll finish anything. I'm a slut, dude. I'll drink, I'll drink anything. I don't care. Like, no one owns me. Yeah. Oh, what, are you, what are you drinking, Greg? Oh, I moved on to the. Oh, you moved on already? I moved on to the soul no. stuff. I didn't want to interrupt. I felt bad. By the way, we're gonna we're gonna do our best to get pretty drunk. So hey, well you know, cheers to being new fathers and all that kind of we're stuff. Not, <laughs> yes, I yeah, just, I actually don't get. Have to I drink had very a beer much. since my daughter was born? Well, it's only been. That's two That's what weeks. Quan was just saying. Yeah. He was just saying when wow. he came in. He's like, I haven't. To be fair, it has only yeah. been two weeks, but. It's, yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but for <laughs> someone who makes beer, right? <laughs> no, like, I was gonna say. Going to well, it's kind of funny you say that because my brother, my brother was an avid video game player growing up. Shout out to your brother. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at his hat, dude. No, 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 no. My brother was fucking shoes are the. He's got <laughs> he's got NES shoes over there too. I'm not even kidding. Dude. Look at his hat. Show your hat to the camera. He's got the same fucking matching shoes <laughs> sitting over there. Kids love playing with my hat. Oh my and I'm God. like, I mean, what are they playing? Well, I'll, no, I'll just that may like as well be. <laughs> yeah. Show me the Konami code. Yeah, show okay. me the dude, Konami to kids code. today. That's a fucking abacus. That's not even a. <laughs> so I, not only do I have the so this is the Super Nintendo right hat. Okay, let's let's open this beer. 
It's not Ooh. Super Nintendo. It's regular Nintendo. That's goddamn it, Greg. What Come have on. you done, oh bro? My God. You've just said that's what? NES. What are you talking about? What are you not SNES. Oh my God. It's NES. My bad. Did you not uh, remember Jesus. what hat you were wearing? I didn't. He's I a PC gamer, dude. No, fucking, that's not true. Fucking hey, no, no. nerd. PC gamer, fucking master race. I'm just gonna put that out there. Jesus. Yeah, okay. I'm all console. I'm American, bro. But the other pair of shoes that I have are Atari. Right, so that can tell oh, cheers, guys. when people are like, "Oh, what are those shoes? I get these ones, but I don't get the like what the other ones, the magenta. Sorry, not magenta, the maroon and the gold kind of Atari shoes." So this is Green Flash, um, also based out of California. Uh, we're Ooh. doing um, mm. we're doing three IPAs today. So that's, got a that's my favorite one so far. Seven percent Coronado. Uh, Coronado's on the coast. It was a guava IPA to get us started. By the way, I'm feeling that last one. Fuck, seven percent. Seven percent. Whoo! Yeah, well, it's guava, so it's like breakfast, right? That's that. That's what? the. I base it on. So that. wait, what's this it one? It had the fruit in it. <laughs> so the Coronado, this. For yeah. The people that are watching the podcast, this is the seven percent, right? Yeah. This one. And then what do we got on the so the Soul Style IP? A little bit more bitter. Six point five. Is this six point five? I thought it was seven. Six point five. Six point five. Oh. Uh, seven and six. We have two six. This I is think seven, the Soul right? Style is the one though. This one. This one is solid. Getting there. It's got more of that kind of West Coast profile. Yeah. Um, super nice. Green Flash. Great little company. Do you know? Good. Do you know what Green Flash is? Nope. I'm too poor for craft beer, dude. I just <laughs> no, no, I keep no, it cheap. No, not the beer. So cheap and sleazy, baby. The the tiger and Heineken. Flash. So it's the as the sun dips just below the horizon, there's sometimes the green flash. Never seen that. I've I've never seen it either. But it's a thing. It's a nautical thing, oh, okay. apparently. And that's what this whole beer is based on. Uh, kind of cool. I don't know. It's a good beer. This is it's California. Super nice, man. Yeah. Let's continue my point about my brother's video game obsession. Sorry. Oh yeah, yeah, get it. So get he it. ended up becoming a video game designer and he works for a number Which is of obsession companies. gone he actually to the worked on a game that was that won a BAFTA wow he what worked game on a, oh, this is for my gaming nerds no don't just say it dude Ricky Gervais yeah. the no no no, no. it's <laughs> embarrassing because I cannot think of the name oh that is fucking embarrassing it's, bro uh, oh, but you have like what 20 brothers Edith Finch oh I've heard of it I've heard of it yeah so he he made he helped make that game what company does he work team. for Feel like I've heard of you know? know. God damn it, Quan. Because I'm I'm bad with. I don't play as many video games as I used to. Anyway, so he barely plays any games anymore. Because he's yeah. Because he's always making them, and you know, because life, work, and life. Greg doesn't drink very much. He's not really. He's not really a drinker. I feel like when you, it's almost like you work in Burger King. You don't want to fucking. How much do you train? Every day. <laughs> no, I mean, honestly, like, how much do you I'm do jujitsu? Like, actually, hardcore trained jujitsu. Five or six. I train almost every class. Really? Seriously. That's impressive. Because most yeah. of the time I'm not I shitting. see. I'm not fucking Most around. of the time I see uh, people who do professionally jujitsu, uh, as in, like, teaching. Mm. I would argue they probably trained more before they became. Oh, yeah. Teachers. Generally, that's true. I have a policy, bro. Especially, you have like. To have done that? I would assume so. More before you but I'm saying you would imagine that if you did You're right. what you Generally, love to do, that's you would the trend. do it as right, much right, right. as possible. Okay. But it turns out when you enter into the profession. So I when became a professor because I love doing mm. research mm -hmm. and I love doing all these things. And now you don't do any research. And I don't do any research. <laughs> I literally am in the lab 0% of the time. Yeah. I, I know less about my own lab than most of my students do, my PhD students do. And I have to ask them, like, what's happening? Mm, yeah. Because I'm busy dealing only with so the much administrative time. stuff. Yep. I'm busy dealing with writing grants, the teaching, all the these curriculum. other aspects that, yeah, the curriculum, all the other aspects that no one ever tells you about mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. part of pursuing your dream career being a, a researcher. Yeah, and it becomes all, like all, encom all yeah, encompassing, right? Yeah, and it just right? the, sort of the spoke, takes the up your entire life somehow. Yeah, the scope of it is yeah. just... And I feel like, in some sense, that's true in all professions. When you hit a certain point mm. in your career, you sort of transition out of what you did. Well, even now, imagine me doing this 20 years from now. If I'm 50, for sure, I, there's just no way. Like, I can't be no. doing MMA training like I am now. I mean, 
It's just I'm impossible. just imagining you at UFC right now. I'm gonna try, bro. Is like hey, 50 years old. I'm gonna try. What's Joel Romero? Fifty? He's fucking fifty, man. He's there pretty you go, close. You know, it's he's like forty-four, or forty-five. 40, but that's three, but is there like a that. difference between? Uh, but at sixty, he's not gonna be doing it. Well, one of the, the Gracie granddad. Like, did he? Well, listen, you can definitely Gracie roll. Gracie granddad. Yeah, man, definitely roll. That. That's his, you know, street Gracie name. Granddad. You can roll into your fifties and sixties. There's no question. But I couldn't do Muay Thai. I can't do Muay right. Thai sparring. Right. I can't do yeah. MMA. That's too yeah. too much falling body weight. It's too explosive. Jiu-jitsu, I think you can probably do until you're almost dead. As long oh, as you yeah. can walk and move your body, you can do some form you of it. You can't tap if you're dead. Yeah. <laughs> you're I mean, that's like undefeated. the whole level of... After death, I'm undefeated, motherfucker. He's <laughs> breaking arms. He never tapped. He's, he's, he's dead. literally dead. Yeah. yeah. You killed him with... It. You know what's interesting is uh, we were talking about doing the, the jiu-jitsu and going back to the, the training slightly, even though I'm kind of happy to talk about something other than the jiu-jitsu. It is what it is, conversation. But uh, going back to the training, I think you could roll. I think you should roll as a teacher. It's like kind of like keeping in touch with your craft, right? I mean, yeah. you still drink some, <laughs> right? Well, I drink you every have to beer do your tasting. Brewery, yeah, you know? and you still have to be. For example, one, if there's new, batch. say, if there's new things that are happening in your field, you have to be somewhat aware of yep. them, right? Yes. And it's yeah. the same thing for me, right? As a teacher, if I'm not up on like the leg locks, mm-hmm. if I'm not up on like the new kind of guard, even today, I mean, I've known about. Have you heard of the K guard? You haven't heard of see brown belt. Haven't heard of the K guard. I heard about the K guard like you a year. Heard of the K-Guard. <laughs> no, hold on, because I'm gonna sympathize with <laughs> yeah, you. No, for no, a no, no, no. But okay, so enlighten me. There's trends, right? Yeah, there's yeah, always yeah, trends yeah. in jiu-jitsu. For example, when I started, like that was when the deep half was really big. Oh, that yeah. started to be the thing that was crushing everybody at competitions. Like leg drag started to come in, and then people were like crushing it to 50-50, and then people started to do barambolo. And then after Barambolo became really popular, a lot of people started doing the leg locks. Mm-hmm. And then the Danaher stuff started popping, and then everybody's heel hooking. And then now the K-Guard is one of these new sort of trends. There's other trends, but if I'm... These all sound like dances, by the way. If I can go, in, <laughs> if I can go, if I can go into the weeds a little bit, like Danaher's system teaches inside position with the feet, yeah. right? So like a butterfly guard. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So both of my feet would be inside your two mm-hmm. knees if like you're sitting on your ground or standing up. Danaher talks about to win the, heel, the Ashigarami game, the heel hooking game, you need inside position on the feet. But Lachlan Giles has a slightly different system, and he just crushed it at ADCC. Oh, oh yeah, I was watching. And he that played, was insane. And he does a lot of his stuff from De La Hiva, yeah. which is an outside okay. guard. It's yeah. not an inside guard. And the K-guard is sort of part of his system, the De La Hiva and the K-guard, for him getting into his heel hooks. Which what is, is the K-guard? Sorry. It's like, just a – I mean, I don't know how to – J-guard came first. <laughs> yeah, there's well, really a, let's be honest. A A can A, a guard. I, I can show you. I can show you after. Alpha guard. A, a guard sounds like a guy from Denmark. And there, and you have like, to show me after this. And even I'm like the, the worm guard, right? That's yep. that's a yep. new. Well, that's now that the Keenan is doing the whole squid guard thing. Squid as well. guard, worm guard. Uh, I think he's just gonna go through and the whole be, animal <laughs> kingdom. <laughs> and there's gonna Letters, be even more. Animals. I mean, Greg brought up the the Eddie Bravo system. When yeah. I started, that was popping too, right? And so there's always these trends in jujitsu, and even. the after Lachlan won the, well, he got third in ADCC in the absolute, but he's Which my size. Crazy. Mm. He's my size. Absolute. The absolute. What's and he insane. crushed like multiple time world champion. Did he beat Duarte like Duarte. first round? Yeah, oh, first round heel hooks for a tour. Yeah. But is that against heavyweight world champions. But is that a system that he's designed for himself against heavyweights that doesn't necessarily apply I don't to think Well, he trains with Craig. J- I mean, he, he's his coach. he teaches yeah, he's in his co- Craig Jones. Who's a legendary sort of at this point leg locker, but he also trains with Danaher. And anyway, the point is, is that he's sort of, it goes through these trends, and now it's a new trend, and he's able to hit heel hooks from an outside position, which is a totally new thing. And as I'm, my students are starting to do this K-guard, I know what it looks like, 
but I don't know any any shit, and I'm a coach. I do this shit all the time. So even I'm thinking, as there's new information. This, uh, to the public. Uh, well, you can't know everything. <laughs> Sorry, students. Right? I uh, know Jack off. Listen, man. Uh, no, I definitely Jack off. These, I don't think they, we need to lie. I can't lie to the people. Huh? Are they reactionary styles? So like, say you had traditional BJJ, and then the Eddie Bravo or whatever system comes in. That seemed to try and undo or find some of the loopholes in traditional, right? As you have the worm guard, a bit. the K guard, yeah. the worm guard, is a bit, it because paper stone, is it, It's just I mean? a different leg entanglement from the system that's mainstream now, which is like the Danaher system. So he found a new way to adapt these moves to fit a new outside uh, leg position. But it, the point is, is that it's, it, it's at the sort of cutting edge, and it's just becoming a thing in the last yeah. few years. But I, and I'm not an expert. There's no one teaching me that. I just have to take my time, like you guys, yeah. to go in. Exactly. Learn, Great. We teach them K guard, bro. Yeah, man. But I have to kind of go out of the proven path. I don't have people that I can ask about that because mm. I don't have any Brazilian jiu-jitsu instructors who can teach me the K-guard. It's like only uh, one of the instructors, he was from Phuket Top Team. I forget his name. Azima, it's his husband now. Oh, damn it. He's like the head MMA coach at Phuket Top Team, I think. And he came in and did a seminar and taught the K-guard. And mm. then I'm seeing now it's getting this sort of big push after Lachlan submitted, I think Duarte. I think he did a K guard. Yeah. I think he did a Delhiva to K guard back take, and then he went in on the outside heel hook, if I'm not mistaken. And anyway, point is, is for all of our trades, at a certain point, even if you're off, you're not doing your research. For mm -hmm. example, like you've learned what you learn. People are innovating. Oh yeah. And if you don't follow the curve, you're just going to get left behind. So you have to still keep your foot in the door, at least to some extent, or the times are well, going to pass you by. Well, that's why we go to. That's why I go to conferences. Mm -hmm. I have mm -hmm. to hear what other people are doing. I, I do my very best to jump in the lab and tinker around. Mm -hmm. It happens infrequently, but I do it. Uh, you 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 do have to if you want to be, sort of the. The old guard is not going to be making mm -hmm. new innovations in your area, right? And if you we're too young to be the old guard, right? No, we're not. <laughs> we're, 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 it all ties. What I mean is that it, when you feel like you're at that level where you're teaching, I feel like you do have to bring yourself back to that student level. And it's also leading by example, right? right? You need your students. Everybody should feel that there's a there's a feedback loop that's going on here. Like, and it's not just the teachers. The worst thing are the teachers, even the jiu-jitsu coaches, right? that maybe they get a little older, they stop rolling, they get mm -hmm. fucking fat, they get really out of shape, they stop training. If you want to ask them a question about the new guards, because, listen, every student has a different game. Yeah. And if a student comes to me, I'm not a Baron Bolo guy yeah. at all. But if a student loves that shit, but they and they want to come... Uh, fuck Baron Bolo. Yeah. <laughs> We're not Baron Bolo guys. Yeah, I'm going to put that out there. But right if now. a student comes and he wants to play that game, what yeah. am I going to be like? Not in my dojo. Yeah. Like That's also short-sighted, because it does work in because those competitions. Because he said it was a, a student that brought the K guard in, right? You said they was, were getting, but which they were asking me about it, and then I was like, uh, I don't really know the, the yeah. information because yeah. someone is is infused by what they're doing to go and learn by Something themselves. Of, exactly, yeah. and you can't shut down class. organic growth and organic curiosity, yeah. right? But if I, I have a student like that wants to learn, how you know you are successful. In my opinion, I know I've succeeded as a teacher when a student comes up to me and brings up something that I am unaware of. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because that means that they went, as you yep. were just saying, yep. they went out of their way to learn something about the topic you're interested in. And it could have been anything. It could have been anything, them, yeah. You know? That's organic curiosity. That you can't force that, right? That kind of inf uh, interest in anything. Yeah. You know, but it's just, life is crazy. Again, it, it's back to, it, the, by the way, the Greek, I don't know if he's Greek or Roman, I think he's probably both. But, uh, Groman. Groman, yeah. Josh Groman. Greco-Roman. 
<laughs> so uh, the guy's name was Plutarch, but he but Plutarch. Was, oh, we're dropping Plutarch and probably he, false Socrates. He was the one who was Plutard, He was the one who was emphasizing the idea that um, that it really is about igniting that interest in yeah. people, and that's how you truly well, teach. It brought me actually when you said that I wanted to say something, but I, I didn't want to interrupt you. As like I was going to say, the number one metric that I sort of measure myself as a good coach is how many people did I start training. Jiu-jitsu. Yeah. I, I remember. How many of my students can I crush? No, <laughs> um, that just, that's just an ego stroke. That's just an ego stroke, right? Isn't a chance. But of my students that I taught their first lesson and they're still training, for me that honestly, like not mm -hmm. just mm -hmm. being fucking altruistic. Like, I mean, I remember someone like uh, Madeline for you know, you know yeah, Maddie, Maddie, right? Yeah, yeah. She's beast. She's wrestling now and she's doing all this shit. I did her trial lesson. Wow. Yeah. And then there's plenty of other students, the same thing. I did their very first lesson, and now they're thinking about maybe doing it as a career. Or it's just a hobby where they lost weight, whatever the fuck. But once they get to that point, you know, somewhere around Purple Belt where I can see that this is a lasting impact on their life. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. When I know that I taught that first lesson, mm -hmm, I know mm -hmm. I did something right. Because yep. I sparked that genuine curiosity. Because a lot of people can walk in the door and get crushed by the sort of situation, right? Because maybe they want it, but the they don't want to train. You know, but I bet you didn't do that by molly coddling them. Well, the I bet you did that broke by broke her arm, right? Pushing no, I'm them. Joking. I bet you. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I bet happened. there was at one, there was one lesson in that period of time where you made them realize what they could do. Well, you talked about your teacher that said something really memorable to you yeah. when you were in school, right? I've found that almost if you ask people why they do the career that they do. Most people will refer back to a teacher that taught them something that stuck yeah, with them. Yeah, that's true. It's like, why did you go down this path? Oh, because X, Y, and Z. This person, this teacher said yeah. something, and then it sparked this curiosity. So for me, like, I was having this conversation with Major on one of the last podcasts. He was asking me, like, I have a strategy of what I do when people walk in the door here, right? Because right. I've said I'm not a black belt. I'm not, like, a world-famous MMA fighter. If people want to go Major train with a Thai, saying I'm saying this okay. to, to him. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a Thai, right? If people want to go do Muay Thai, they can go find a Thai instructor with 400 fights. If they want to be a jiu-jitsu person, they can go and train and evolve and train with the world champions or whatever and the name of people, all the same. But when people walk in the door, I train with them first day. They don't wa nobody walks in the door without rolling with me, like, yeah. the first or second time, max. Actually, my first time training in Singapore... Back, way back when, actually here, mm. here, somewhere in this area, uh, was I, I, I remember we rolled together. Did you come to my class? No, I think it was. Went to Jake McKenzie. Mm. Jake McKenzie was there as well, and he was the one who. But I rolled with you, right? Yeah, we rolled, and it was. Yeah, it was not. <laughs> it was not enjoyable. I, no, it, was I, I, it was actually. I was a newly minted. So my going away present. Was I a two stripe or something at that point? I think you were no, you were like three stripe. Three years, three stripe already. Yeah. Uh. And this my is six years ago. Then? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 yeah, no. pretty close. Five, four or five, probably. Four, four, four years okay. ago, roughly, almost Damn, three and that. a bit, three, three and, and a bit years bit. ago. Uh. So when I left the UK, um, I uh, my instructor at the time, Max Campos. Uh, gave me my brown belt and the very first set of rules i had as a brown belt was with you oh i didn't know that yeah, that was one of my oh, this first is new information as a brown belt do you remember the role just curious i don't remember so just out of curiosity can you kind of remember how it went it was in an entirely leg lock game oh. heel or not heel hooks, it was toe holds yeah wrestling background as well yeah, you're a toe holder it you're was, a toe holder yeah i was like oh i'm a brown belt now i can do toe holds and knee bars and shit like that so i was going after the legs yeah, yeah i remember you jumping on toe i'm more a sure. lobe guy myself <laughs> i'm more a fish hooker yeah. <laughs> that was it was i feel like 
because I didn't know you at the time. Uh, I feel like that was a mistake. That was not the strategy <laughs> to employ. <laughs> did you? I should have went. I should have done anything other than what I did. But well, you got to go toehold, man. Like, don't discredit. Yeah, it was, the fact it that was, you go for him is a game changer. I went changer for them too, because like. my old coach allowed um, purple belts to who was rolling with other brown belts to go for those positions. I let my heel, white belt heel hook, bro. I don't give a shit. As long <laughs> as my only rule is, if the student, other student knows what they are, they're allowed to do them. Okay. They have to have been taught what when to tap. Okay, right. fair that's enough, my rule. Like once don't they're you, there, then you can just yeah. go. Don't you right? let go as well? As soon yeah. as you get position, you let go. Yeah, and then my other a catch so and release. It is, but <laughs> hey, my man, fisherman, that's bro. What say. So. That's what I say. No, but my rule for like heel hooking in general is you can heel hook your student, your training partners, as long as they know what a heel hook is, mm. and then as long as you know that if you get it and they're not tapping, you let it go. Because yeah. mm -hmm. then all the worst case scenarios yeah, yeah. avoided. And then as you get higher and higher, people get a higher awareness, and then you can start, and then people will. Play with the resistance and know when they should tap and when they shouldn't. And over time, you desensitize to but it and you start to learn, right? But going back to that idea Sorry. of suffering, that very first day okay. yeah. of being a brown belt, <laughs> uh, my very first set of sparring sessions, which was with basically because I showed up to a gym with a brown belt. The tag's still on. Which it. is always, yeah, yeah. Basically, it was, it was and the brown belt starts, black belt starts salivating. I'm not going to lie. Like, I literally had never worn it before. That was Love the it. first day I put oh, that's, that on. Oh, that's hilarious. I yeah. had no idea that that was the case. And my rules were basically with every black belt that was in the room, which was Mateos, Italo, Jake McKenzie, Marcelo, uh. and, and then the brown, other brown belt, which was you. Yeah. That's and a, that's we basically a tough. Just went down the line, and I literally just got smashed <laughs> from from the very first person all the way down to the very last person. I didn't just know that was absolutely crushed, but it reminded me <laughs> yeah. that you know I have. There's so levels to, to this shit. I have so much. There's more levels to, to this shit, <laughs> and it, it's what it's it is what keeps me going. It is that mm -hmm. fear of missing out. Yeah, that FOMO. that suffering you need. You need to realize that. You need to. Feel that to realize what is missing out. Do you so. want to be the very best, the best that ever was? That no one. <laughs> no. By, by the way, it's hilarious you say that because I play that song during training all the time. Really? I'll play the Pokemon you, theme song. You got to add some live to win. Bro, to I had, yeah. you know where I learned it was because when I fought in Singapore the last time at SFC, Will Chope fought on the same card, okay. right? And actually, Will was supposed was that to his be walkout on, song. That was his walkout song. Oh my goodness. Bro, I came out to True Victory uh, or True. Yeah, True, True, by True Survivor by David Hasselhoff, yeah, right? Yeah. It's from the Kung Fury movie, right? Single-handedly brought down the Berlin Wall. <laughs> oh, yeah, by the way, yeah. And so it's yeah. from the Kung Fury That's movie, so I thought books. it was going to crush, right? And then Will Chope comes out to the Pokemon theme song, and I immediately knew I was fucked. I yeah. was like, bro, in Singapore, it brought oh. down the house. Yeah. Like, everybody immediately fucking loved it. Actually, he was supposed to be on the podcast last week. Oh, shit. But as he does, he took a fight every fucking three weeks, so... He yeah, took a fight enough. and then uh, had to go and do that. So we'll get him on maybe in January. But for the listeners, Will was supposed to be on last week. We'll get him on soon, maybe in January or I December. Have a quick question going back to your like learning jujitsu, right? Yeah, so yeah. I think Luke is an awesome teacher because he's had both learning and teaching instilled to him because you wrestled all the way through school. Right? And I used to be a teacher also. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. you were a teacher. Yeah, yeah. yeah that was Korea before. as well. But like in Korean Korean school, I taught yeah. in Singapore, the Korean international. But you didn't school. teach jujitsu at the Korean school. You no, but it made me such a better teacher. Right. The fact that I was a teacher before I started teaching jujitsu, I'd already had years of teaching specifically mm-hmm. experience. So again, going back to so we can. I'm not trying <laughs> you're to. Doing yeah, I know we're doing some philosophy. Here. So you're like life is suffering. But it's all coming. But it's all going <laughs> to be circuitous. And my point earlier, that I was saying, of the reason, the 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 thing why people should come here, from my perspective, the niche that I offer is that my my focus is on teaching this stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, if you go to a lot of people, I train every day. So at the very least, you're you're gonna get a training partner. Yeah, I had a couple of uh, major students that were coming in here uh, like a week ago or two weeks ago to do some MMA training, and they were like, and they sent me messages like, "You want to train?" I'm like, "Yeah." So they came in. We did some wrestling. We did uh, they did MMA sparring. We hit pads together, and then I'm trying to talk to all of my students that walked in. I'm like, "Listen, at the very least, you're going to get a good training partner." Yep. Like I'm good at teaching this. Well, he's so also good at fu- fucking you up. Just but because <laughs> I did some of your MMA classes. <laughs> oh yeah, you came in and you did a little bit of stronghold. And, and nice. I have some stand-up game, and uh, the, actually, the reason why I did you just—I'm more a stand-up guy. Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like my comedy session every you know, here every Tuesday. Love it, love it. <laughs> no. uh, but, See you next um, Tuesday. Yeah, it's uh, training with you has been a, one of those things where it's nice. Seeing both the stand up and mm-hmm. the ground game and getting yeah. up every time. Basically. Did you learn <laughs> jujitsu from a jujitsu only person? Is what I was going to ask. A jujitsu only person. So, so like, okay, so I had a. Do weird you know what I mean? Like a very traditional jujitsu. Oh yeah, yeah. Or like MMA jujitsu. So I okay. So I my uh, I tr- because of my the very nature of my career path right. is one that travels pretty much across the world. So I grew up in nice. New York uh, and I started jujitsu in New York City. With one of the um, uh, one of the Gracie schools mm-hmm. students uh, taught at my graduate school. Good. F- oh, really? Oh, that was the connection. So he taught. So uh, there was this guy, Jason Yang. Uh, this is over a decade ago, but there was this black belt named Jason Yang, who is a very petite Asian person who everyone ruined people ruined, just yeah. ruined yeah. people which is what was the inspiration exactly because he was yeah, like man. half not half my size I'm, I'm being hyperbolic but he was like half my size yeah. and he would just mess the biggest people in the room up and, and, and I was just sort of like yeah that's, that's, that's what I, I feel I you brother I yeah. feel you that's that that's moment we were I talking about earlier right when you see that you're like oh I need that in my yeah, life that's what I need <laughs> and um, so I did that it was a Henzo Gracie affiliate. I was say, That's what it was, was Henzo Gracie affiliate. Mm. So I did that for a while as a white belt, and then um, because of various things that were outside of my control, I ended up moving to Boulder, Colorado. Oh, noise. Which was <laughs> yeah, noise. phenomenal. And I happened, by coincidence, to move to an apartment that was within a three-minute walking distance of the local Henzo Gracie gym. Amazing. Oh. Amazing. Yeah. Which and a walking distance to many other mall, things as well. It was in a mall Easton gym. And he's now expanded. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's, I've, he's huge. Yeah, yeah. So he's, in the, he's got this huge training center. It's like a walking distance and like limping distance back. Basically. <laughs> so I trained with a mall Easton until I, his group, um, until I got my blue belt. And then I was basically shipped off to the UK and I trained with uh, this guy, black belt, Max Campos. What was okay. your connection to Jake? 
So when I was because Jake McKenzie yeah, used to be a coach, yeah, yeah, yeah. just so, for the listeners, Jake McKenzie was a coach here in Singapore exactly. for not too long, like six months or something. But so actually, he's a legendary half guard, one oh, of the yeah. best North so American he's grapplers. He's the reason why I joined. We're actually he's the reason why I joined Trifecta, which is where we Met. Luke and I originally trained. Yep. Yeah. He's the only reason why I trained there, actually. Yep. Um, so Jake and I met in Colorado because during the Pan Ams, I think, of the year that I was there, Rodolfo Vieira, Jake McKenzie, and a few other black belts from uh, Grapple Fight Team and GFT uh, were training at Amal Easton's gym. Oh. And I took privates with all of them, as many of them as I could. And so Jake taught me a lot of his hats. Oh, so that's game. how you met Jake. That's how uh. I met Jake. Who taught you the Kimura? That I learned actually somewhat independently. Okay, uh, I was just curious yeah, yeah, yeah. if that was. Jake so he or not. taught me a half guard game. I loved it. I was just oh, so I was a white belt at the time. It was amazing. And then we lost touch because he obviously moved, went around. Can um, I get another one too, Greg? Yeah, yes. <laughs> I'm getting I'm getting bone dry, bro. Anyway, so I was in Colorado. I got shipped off to the UK, and then I went with this guy Max Campos, who's part of Checkmat, and it was okay. there that I ended up getting my. Brown belt. I spent quite a number of years there. Developed my Kimura game. Developed my um, love Toriando passes. That's my favorite. And mine too. And you're very inverty. For the people, for the for the listeners, the jujitsu people that are listening, you are never rolling. At least I'm never rolling with with James if he's not upside down upside on his down, fucking yeah. head, bro. Like, I've got a number, bro. You're gonna get spinal bifida. <laughs> like, actually, I'm actually now I'm doing my very best. To not go inverted. I'm trying to play. I, so I used to be a ground game person. Just keep that as your back like pocket trick. You don't want your game to rely on it. You want that to be in your back pocket for an emergency. That's what I tell so my students about inverted. So now I use inverted guard when I know I've fucked up. You fucked up a long time ago. As when I fucked Kurt up, Oziander I know inverted. That's my, safety, that's my safe place? Yeah. That's my, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's your safe space. When I, when I go inverted, that's when I know. Upside I'm, down. I'm, 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 uh, yeah. When James feels triggered in jiu-jitsu, he goes to his inverted guard, his exactly. safe space. Um, <laughs> so I started developing, not developing, or mimicking uh, a lot of a, of a Kimura game. Developing is fair. Yeah, fair for enough. For your own I, individual. I, I, in some sense. So I learned a lot of Toriando passing from this guy, Max Campos. Uh, a lot of uh, top game, a lot of inverted. I don't even know any other passes, dude. All I do is Toriando. I, I, I don't even know. Like My leg drag is like blue belt. I have a blue belt leg drag. I have it like, only pass I have good one is Toriando. My, fav- my go-to is Toriando. I will... Ball point. Ba- ballast point. Ballast point. I will knee slice when I feel like... But I never get it. I, I always knee slice, but I never get it. But then because of... To go back to Lachlan Giles, I watched one of his YouTube videos. The power he of YouTube showed, to jiu-jitsu, oh by yeah. the way. The power he of YouTube. Oh my God. a knee slice technique, and then he backstepped into basically the, the saddle, the inside, the saddle inside saddle. And now that's that's basically, if I'm doing nogi, that's what I do. Yeah, me too. I, I will go for the knee slice with no intention of finishing it. No, John Danaher killed it. Only to try and fall back to the... Bro, John Danaher killed the knee slice because... And all of his guys do that back step, but you can also do it from a leg drag. But yeah. you step in with one leg in the half guard, and then as soon as that knee, that's what killed, that's also kind of kills Jake's game because Jake likes to, McKenzie, he doesn't kill his game because he does some oh, he does, gee. Nothing kills his game. But <laughs> yeah, dude, his half guard is fucking. This guy. This guy. It's right terrifying. <laughs> it's like, but Get it's interesting because it, it wouldn't apply, honestly, straight up, it wouldn't apply. And he, he knows this too. It doesn't apply as well, no gi, because a lot of his game is like quarter guard, half guard. He forces people to back step. And if you backstep from the top position, 
you get into the the honey hole, the saddle, the four eleven. It's got a bunch of different names. The inside sinkaku. Yeah. If you're if I'm knee slicing you and I step back and curl my knee behind your knee, you get into the inside sinkaku. So if people are knee slicing from the top, it's Last there. Time I oh, yeah. the it's there. So quarter guard is different now because yeah. if you go quarter guard and sit up for the underhook, like that, that classic style that Jake likes to do. Uh, that back step to the saddle it's if you're in no gi. Yeah. And gi, it's cool because you can't heel hook. So in that position is illegal. But in no gi, it's a game changer. Do the do a lot of the American – this still kind of ties back to like where you learn – because I feel like Luke has su- got such a good wrestling p- pedigree, right, that a lot of the jiu-jitsu that he does is very top-heavy. Yeah. Does that make sense? That's yeah, fair. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so always on top of Quan, and he's always oh, trying yeah, to invert. Right. Well, I, well, with him, I just pull guard because, <laughs> again – I want to, <laughs> so Luke triggers me. <laughs> so, so he goes I to a safe go space. Back to my safe space. That's bottom yep. game, inverted guard, and I shoot. So when I go inverted, something I've started trying to develop more is as I go inverted, I notice people tend to try and push more weight onto me. Yeah. Oh, cheers. Yeah, cheers oh, yeah, on yeah, this yeah. new beer, by the way. This one's oh, delicious, too. Uh, what, how much percent is this one? Seven, maybe. Oh, my God. This one's a bit I'm pretty drunk. For the listeners at home. I'm pretty drunk, so we're, we're cooking with gas here. So if, going. You, if you, yeah, sorry. No, no, it's, well, anyway, so what way. I was saying is that something I've been working on a lot recently is from inverted guard, trying to gra- so people put a lot of weight because they want to stack you. I'm relatively flexible for now. You're really flexible for, for now until I get too old to do that. <laughs> I'm fr- relatively flexible, so I'm comfortable in that inverted position with pressure. I've started working on pushing against them and going for the ankle, because as they are pushing up mm. on you, they're light on the ankle. So I've been pushing. Push so as yeah, they're pushing you're on onto top, you, yeah. pushing. so they're pushing onto you on top, I grab their ankle, mm-hmm. I push with my legs, and I go for basically an ankle pick almost okay. from inverted guard. And then a leg well. And then I go okay. typically for an a toe hold or something. toe hold or right. a yeah, straight yeah, ankle yeah. lock or something mm. of that nature. So that's what, uh, what I've been But that's the good thing on. about inverted guard is you can quickly bail out and attack. Yes. If you chill there too much. Too long and then it gets a bit, yeah. bit, bit dicey. Because it's tough on your back yeah. and your neck, I think. So that's what I've been. So basically when I roll with uh, Mook, I purposely go to my safe space, mm-hmm. which is that mm-hmm. inverted guard, <laughs> in hopes that he puts pressure on mm-hmm. and I and you I pick that, that ankle. Right. And I think I've done that maybe once or twice. I think you told me one time. You got me in a once. Once or twice, uh, I think I've done that. And then, But the problem is, and that's the beauty of a jiu-jitsu, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Once he realized that's what I was going for, mm-hmm. game's over. Because yeah. he no longer <laughs> puts that pressure yeah. on me to give Especially that. the higher level people. Once you catch him once, they're like, oh, you sneaky like, fuck. You see, I, exactly. I see was, what you're up to. I'm not going to do that again. And then after that, he just buckles down and just grinds Total. it out. Yeah, because I'm a right. smash passer anyway. So yeah. if you want to, I'll, I'll crush you in your neck for the whole round. Especially yeah. as an MMA guy. Because yeah. as from a martial arts context, cool. Like, Which yeah, I, whatever, you know, right? Like, back the posi- the right? potentially. Yeah. Which is your style. So that's yeah. exactly what I was saying. Like, yeah. because he's a. So yeah. I find that when I roll with your more classically jujitsu trained people, they will put more pressure and give me the space to get that ankle. When I roll with people who tend to have more of a wrestling mm-hmm. background. Or if they know your game. Or if they know my game. Yeah. They tend to wait it out, and they will smash that, basically crunch my neck. Yeah, and you're stuck on your head it. for like seven minutes. And I'll wait for that. Yeah, <laughs> and they'll wait the whole seven yeah, minutes. Yeah, because I'm cool, man. Yeah. I can just – you're more uncomfortable yeah. than me. I'm just laying on you. Like I'm kind of stalling. I'm just laying there a while. Like. Do you feel that um, wrestlers have a better pedigree for jiu-jitsu? Mm-hmm. Not at all? 
for M- for MMA, yes. For yeah. jujitsu, right, right? I should. Yeah. yeah. It depends jiu-jitsu, on jujitsu. I don't think so. For I MMA, clarify. I do because well, they still do for if you have nothing for sure. I mean, if your base is oh, nothing yeah, 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 yeah. and you go into jujitsu, then definitely. I was a wrestler first. Yeah. So if you go in with nothing and you have a wrestling background, for sure that shit will translate. Because I mean, yeah. we had like Asker and Maya, right? And it was the best wrestler versus the best jujitsu guy. And Damien, fucking spoilers, but watch it. Like also, he was here, so everybody that listens to yeah, this knows. Damien Maya was here, so everybody knows. Totally. Yeah. Um, but when he won, jumped on the 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 f- the, f- the fence. I guess the fe- the the cage. And it was like jujitsu, jujitsu, yeah. and that's bro. I was versus jujitsu. I was in the both. stands. I was You're in the stands both. with like ten right. Brazilians, right. and they were all losing their shit. They were like jujitsu, and they just started screaming random shit in Portuguese that I don't understand. But porra jujitsu. But do you feel like long? you're a new breed? Because I feel like Damian Maia is very classically... Like, how many days of wrestling But he's Damian been Maia an MMA done? fighter in the UFC for a decade. True. This is the distinction. In the last but, five. Okay, so in my <laughs> opinion... So in my opinion <laughs> but Ben Askren's only learned a little strike so in the last six minutes, so... Wrestling is just a different game. It has different objectives. It has different types of training to become a good wrestler. But it, and for wrestling, it's all about... Well, I'm not a wrestler, but right. my understanding of wrestling is about that speed, power, and persistence. Yeah, there's definitely a difference in the and functionality of it. Yeah, and explosiveness. As a result, yeah, uh, the explosiveness, so the exactly. the strength, the power. And that yeah. is useful in jujitsu. Yeah, yeah and in MMA. Well, even more so in yeah. MMA because I was talking about this on the last podcast. I don't need to in MMA. I don't have to play guard ever. Double fisted, bro. I don't need to play guard against you ever. If, if my whole game is standing up, then your game isn't becoming passing my guard. It's keeping me down. Yeah. And the whole uh, meta changes when my job is to – your job is just to keep me on the ground. I'm not obligated to stay there and play guard. If it's MMA, I put my elbow on the mat, I post, and then your whole game becomes keeping me down, which yeah. is something that Khabib is a master at, mm-hmm. right? He's a master at what you call in wrestling rematting. Uh, right, which is their butt back on the mat. Yeah, exactly. You take down, you take someone down, and then I if they the post, thing. if they stand up, you re- you take them yeah. down. You're like in jujitsu, people will just lay back and play guard. But I don't or invert. <laughs> yeah, but if I turtle and try to stand up, and you can't break me down and you can't keep me on the ground, the whole game changes. Mm. And especially so for MMA, there's a huge distinction between the wrestling, which is I was talking about with Alvin on the last podcast about the idea of escaping. Right, the IBJJF doesn't score in a like go point. to a different country. Fuck it, I'm out of here. It's because in <laughs> jiu-jitsu, the guard is the paramount, right? So, for example, once you take me down, you're on top, I'm on bottom. I have to roll you over and to get points, basically, or stand up and take you down, which is kind of weird because in martial arts or self-defense, if you take me down and I stand up and I get away, that is the number one criteria yeah. for self-defense, mm-hmm. which is. We're two people in a bar fight, mm-hmm. right? We're drunk, swinging fists at each other. You just bum rush me and take me down. The, I'm Stand not going to play guard while you're punching me from yeah, the top yeah, position, yeah. right? Smash. Maybe Stab. against. Maybe I mean, against. That's what I'm going to do. I'm <laughs> going to invert. Against, and I'm gonna, yeah, exactly. I'm going to butt scoot to them until. Maybe uh, against beginners bro, and shit. Tendon is ruined. Yeah. But if a strong person can like hammer yeah. fist you or something like, and especially for women, yeah. and this is the real where you draw the line for women. The ability to stand up with somebody on top of you and to clean break. They're not touching you. Break away completely is huge. And in wrestling, you get a point for that. That's why you pull them close and then Yeah, because in wrestling, (laughs) if I take you down, all you need to do is stand up and escape so I can take you down. That's the whole game, right? That's the whole meta. So do you get a point for escaping? Yes, in wrestling oh. you do. And this is how crazy the huh. IBJJF rules are. In IBJJF, you don't get a point for reversal 
and you don't get a point for escape. Uh, is the reversal a sweep? No, this is no, the... No, no, no. Okay. If what? you don't have a position, Make it easier. basically a reversal is if someone's on top and someone's on bottom and there's no actual position established and then it some suddenly becomes the opposite. Someone's yeah. on bottom and someone's on top. Let's go for the white belts here, right? Isn't let's every position pretty much established right now? Let's you go one knee and it's half. But let's get into the weeds here a little bit. You guys do that. Okay, you go. You go do your thing. And I'll get into the weeds with, with Greg here. Quan's got a piss because he didn't go. Just stand up like a normal human being. <laughs> like no, a, worm like your way out. Into the lizard out. Doing Let's his go. inverted guard Don't on the chair. <laughs> Let's go. What's up? But so if you... if Okay. Kind of lost my train of thought here, but I know it's about standing up if, yep. we're, if we're doing MMA. So, like in jiu-jitsu, you don't get points for reversal and you don't get points for escape. It's Is only a, a sweep. A sweep. Let me let me okay, clarify. That's no, no, yeah, yeah. It's a, that's the question. Yeah. Right? That's the ultimate question. A sweep has to involve the guard. So, for example, you're you're in top side control, okay. right? You're past my legs. You're on top, and you're in side control. If I bridge you over and get on top, that's not a sweep. Okay. Another example: if you mount me. Yep. Right, you're on top, sitting on my chest, past my legs, and I grab your wrist and I bridge you, I upa you over my shoulder, and I'm on top now in the closed guard. That's not a sweep. Okay. What? Um, because there's no guard what established. What about a scissor sweep? That's there's no guard there, right? No, there is. Like if I scissor sweep you, I have one shin across your belly, and my oh, other no, leg. I'm talking about. Um, I guess it's more of a takedown if you're both standing. Mm. Then you leg scissors, leg scissors. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So a leg scissors would be a takedown. Okay. Because I we go from neutral to yep. I'm on top of you. Yep. Even if I'm on top of you on my butt, for example. Or on right? the back, right. But yep. uh, to go back to the, the take, the, I need some kind of guard in order for it to be a sweep. If you're past my guard, if you're on the top side control or mount, right. and I bump you over yep. and get on top of you, there's no points for that, which is insane wow. because it's a complete flip. It, exactly. It it's a so complete flip. I'll give you another example. Let's say you have me in a guillotine position, yep. a front headlock. Yep. You're sprawled on top of me. Uh, head yeah. here or head Your here? Your chest is on top of my back. I'm on my knees. You, I just shot a double leg. On, which, okay. which way, where's the head? Here Don't even here? think about that, right? I shoot on you. You sprawl. Yeah. Okay? You're on top of me, right? Yeah. Okay. And your chest is on my back, and maybe you have my head. Yeah. Right? If I reverse you and I, I get into you. the same position, that's not a sweep because there's How no guard. Even though I could, I'm on top of you, I could spin to your back. I could choke you. I could do a lot of things. But you'd have not to a sweep. break the headlock, right, and then move around to the side? No, never a sweep because I don't have my legs around you. This is why the IBJJF rules are silly because there's no distinction between a reversal and a sweep. In wrestling, if, you're, if I'm on the bottom and I get on top of you, that's a reversal. Yeah. Boom, plain and simple, yeah. regardless of what yeah. my legs are doing. And in jiu-jitsu, it's not. Which is crazy because if I mount is that you, where if guards I mount like his you, come in? sorry, is that where guards like his come in? Because, it, like, because it isn't a points loss to say invert, mm. right? Which isn't necessarily a sweep. It's still a guard. The things, the, the ebb and the flow of combat has changed in one direction and then another direction, right? So say he's in trouble and then inverts and now he's in a better position, but he's still on the bottom. Yeah. Does he is that a is that a point? Well, for, you make it for you becoming more offensive in your No, no, no. You make a good point though, and I think the point that you're kind of alluding to is the fact that I know nothing. No, no, it's, <laughs> no, it's, it's important to talk to people cuz you have a cursory knowledge, right? Yeah. You you've got basic no, you're a fight fan. I mean, I can talk to you about this I'm shit. I'm a geek in all forms. Yeah. That's what it is. But you're yeah. you've done a little bit of jiu-jitsu, I don't know, 20, 50 hours, whatever yeah. it is. 
but you've done enough to know some stuff, and then mm-hmm. you're a fight fan, mm-hmm. so you watch them mm-hmm. for fun, yeah. which is important because you know everybody that listens to this is not going to know everything. So yeah. you're raising very interesting points and points that need to be clarified. You don't need to assume that everybody is like a master, right? Mm-hmm. So if I have you in any type of guard, if my legs yeah. are around you in any fashion, right? Then I roll you over. It's a sweep. If there's no guard, even if I reverse you, it's not a sweep. No points scored. Now. My sticking point is the escapes because the yep. issue that I have as Quan starts to roll back in, and I'll hit you with this as you come in. My he's issue, gonna, he's just going to invert. He's going to invert. <laughs> but what do you or think? Kimura <laughs> or Kimura Quan and away. So here's the issue. The only way, thing that I wish they would change about jujitsu rules is the clean break rule, which is that if you're on top of me in any fashion, if I stand up and disengage completely, that should be awarded a point. One because the game can still continue as it normally would but it would ensure that the top person has to keep you down because okay think self-defense right i you're we're both drunk i'm a street fighter i fucking blitz you and i take you down and i get on top right what are the odds that you're going to successfully play guard and as a general person against maybe let's say a stronger person start inverting because that's the point i was gonna say i think what i would do is immediately invert and then while people can elbow you in the face uh, yeah i would do that and just hope for the best have you ever (laughs) considered turtling and crying yeah that's what i would i would invert invert life is suffering so so let's do the the experiment so much right now (laughs) as you're getting beat on in the face and shit mercy mercy you win so now the philosophy of it is that it's a self-defense martial art in the initial stages right so now Think about that. What can you reward more highly from a self-defense perspective than somebody is on top of you and you can stand up, get away, and get help? So, if it's grappling. If we're yeah. standing up and we're striking, so whatever. I, I, it's agree different. With you. Yeah. I agree with you on that, on that concept. The, the concept idea, should be go away and get help. Yeah, sure. Don't play guard and try to triangle but someone who's a, wrecking a, you in the face. Well, think about Unless the you're a black belt and they're a white belt. What's, like, what's one of the first things you learn, right? It's how to safely get up. Sure. How to hip my concern, hip escape. My right. concern well, I mean, isn't... I mean, hip escape uh, is still on the, on the side, right? Yeah, you but the hip escape... No, the, but that point is really important, which is to get your guard back. Because it, this is the fundamental. This is the cornerstone of jiu-jitsu, right? Especially when it pertains to the guard. If I pass your legs, okay. you have nothing to push me away if I try to strike you. Right. There's no barrier between us. Right, if I right, side right. control you and I elbow you, or, yeah. I si- or I mount you and I punch you, there's no barrier that you yeah, have yeah, to yeah. push me away from you. So the very f- the fundamental part of the Except guard... fucking tree trunks. Imagine, right? You take <laughs> no. me down. You're on top of me. Yeah. You're trying to stand up and I'm on my back. If my feet are on your hips, mm-hmm. every time you rear back like that to punch, I'm going to push you with my remove legs. Remove all that power. Not only that, but I can kick you in the knees. I can kick you in the groin. If yep. you lean down, I can kick you in the face. Right, that's the power of the guard as it's fit, which is you can't get my neck, you can't punch me mm. if I'm on the bottom and you're on top of me. That's the fundamental of jujitsu. But you, right? you were talking about like, I mean, again, coming back to fundamentals, right? The the safety get up, right? The technical stand up. Technical, technical stand up. Yeah, yeah. It's the same. I yeah. mean, you you dorks have different names. <laughs> I know I'm right, but the but you know what I'm talking up. about, right? That yeah. is getting up safely, creating space where you can stand up and either. Get away. Re-engage or get away, yeah. right? That's it. So if something you've learned day one, how is that not an integral part of the scoring oh, system? Oh, it definitely so, is. So, okay, so the I reason... Thought it, I thought you said okay. it wasn't. I, I no, it, you I mean, it, it's supposed to be. But, but the clean break but isn't... Yes, po- but right. that's not... The, that doesn't so my, score that. My, right, my, that's what I was uh, saying. Yeah, yeah. You're right, that's it. Devil's advocate position. So I, I, I see where you're coming from, and I in part agree. But my devil's advocate position on this is that 
from a game design jujitsu as a sport as a game. You're gamifying the. Who does your brother work for? That's just <laughs> my bad. He doesn't know. <laughs> something. It's some, a game some, design. Some, so some, some, some game design. Anyway, the, what I would caution against using that as a point to to give a point is that people would use that as a strategy. They would purposely pull guard, let the person get on top, oh, and then escape. And then escape. Just grind out points. Grind out guard. points. Yeah, but that's okay. Because then my job on top becomes not only Don't just assuming that. that we're going to play this game, which is keeping you down. How many times sure, are you going to do that? Which is the whole fundamental I, part I of would wrestling. Argue, I would argue yeah. that... Ben Askren keeps people If I can't down. keep you to the ground, there's no jiu-jitsu. Yeah. Plain and simple. If you choose to stand up and I can't reground you, there is no jujitsu. I agree, but I Boom. worry that from a from again a spectator. So from okay, a, well then, from a then we're going right. No, no, I'm coming from a self defense perspective. Sure, yeah. no, no, and no, you're right in that in your in that perspective. You're absolutely right, but if you're in a perspective of trying to promote a sport, yeah, okay, that, which is meant to which came first, huh? defense or sport? The no, defense, no, 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 no. these are sure. two different things though. Yeah. Defense yeah. is not sport. that's fair. Like, they make rules in the NFL that you can't do certain things because yeah. it's boring. Like, yeah, like, exactly. You know. Or in judo. Because it's boring. Yeah. So in yeah. judo, Ooh, yeah. there was a huge yeah. change in the point scoring That's systems. why there's no, no waza now. Yeah. Because they didn't want they it was stalling. So they made it as dynamic as possible because more people would watch, more people would be engaged I with love the watching sport. Judo. Which is what I would argue IBJJF or all these sort of sport jujitsu coalitions are trying to promote, which is something that is engaging, something that people would want to invest their time in. Okay, let me give you another shitty rule. independent of self-defense. <laughs> That's independent of self-defense. Okay, let me give you another shitty rule and get your take on this, because, you, you, you know, both of you guys, from both the self like a beginner, yeah. this is why it's interesting, actually, yeah. because we have some, like, Greg knows enough to know, and he's a fight fan. Yeah. So he knows enough to know what he's, he's probably seeing. More, you're probably the, more nerdier about fights in jiu-jitsu than I am. He's definitely more, more nerdy about MMA, I would say. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, no. I, I, don't, I don't watch. I barely watch any. Okay, so, so dig this point, right? Okay, let's say that I take you down and I pass your guard immediately, right? Full? I, I just double leg you straight to side control, Yeah. Okay. right? And let's say that I take you down, I have to be in your guard, and then I pass your guard. Which one should be worth more? Being in the guard and then passing the in guard my to opinion, side control. I would say if you can. Take Which is the more dominant move? I would say if you could take someone down and immediately be inside control. Right? Yeah. Why would you well, want to go you, through the process of being in their it's guard? Like two steps versus three steps, right? Yeah, yeah. So if you do just it in one step, yeah, you yeah. should be rewarded highly, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. But in yes and no, because it's like if you go from I you skip the step, but I but I can see both arguments, right? So mm. if you're if okay, we're both standing. You take me down and immediately side control, right? That is one technique, right? If we are facing and then you go to half guard and then you go to side control, that's two techniques. But in terms of the reward structure. But, no, the, but, but, uh, but the, out, the outset is the same, except you've put twice as... But it also yeah, depends but you skip the, the whole step of going into the guard. And why would you ever want to be in the guard if you can bypass so I would the argue, step so, entirely? So I'm not even talking about being in the guard. I'm saying going from like... Half guard. That's in the guard. Control. Yeah. That's yeah. in the guard. I, I so I would say, I would guard. say the reason why they don't, they don't reward. Let me outline it for yeah. the listeners, right? If I, if I take you down straight to side control, yeah. I don't get points for passing the guard. But that's no, dumb. you don't. But if I take you down and then I pass you guard, I get more. So points. the reason why I would say that is that I think you have the referee 
would have to know the intent of the person. It shouldn't matter. The it's table. the result. If I take you down straight to side, that okay. So let me give you the outline. Do right? You Here's, shoot, and then you halfway through your shot, then you move the knee. Here's the here's the outline, you go to right? the side. Or? If you're ADCC, which is the no gi rule set, right? I'm and ADCC, and and not only that, but <laughs> let me give you the outline because I was talking about this in the last podcast, and I feel like it's really important to sort of clarify the differences and then give give opinions on it. Which is that in no gi ADCC rules, there's a thing called a clean takedown and there's a regular takedown. If I clean take you down, I take you down straight oh, to a guard back. pass, yeah, 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 straight yeah, yeah, to yeah, a guard yeah. pass. And that they reward that more highly than if I take you down and then pass your guard. Yeah. Which makes sense, right? It does they, make uh, they, sense. Uh, they, also yeah. re they also reward hmm. you for reversals. But I also and think that... And stand-ups. Well, so no, I would no argue... Stand -ups, no stand-ups. So I would argue it's more effort, is what you're saying. Mm. It's more effort to take someone down and then pass their guard as two separate things. But it's about effort the end result. Skill let's points. say let's say I give you a head kick, right? If I if I kick you in the head, should it be more points if I just plain kick you in the head, or if I give you a combination and then kick you in the head? The result is I'm past your guard, right? I've bypassed the whole thing. If my system is built upon taking you down and never letting you establish guard, how much more of a dominant move is that than if I? Why would I go into your guard? That uh, makes no sense. And if I reward you for taking you down and then letting you catch my ankle and then I immediately pass, like the whole thing is just moot. You've yeah, added an additional a good point step. That actually happened in the main event. That just happened with uh, Magnusson. <laughs> uh, Say that again. What was that? I nailed it the first time. I nailed it the first time. You guys, like, go you guys ahead. were listening. Mac Mac what was it? You guys don't know. I nailed it the first time. I have all the best <laughs> words. Um, but he had a great uh, like front entrance scissor that took down. Like Haller or Caller, I, I just watched it and I forgot. Calvin Cater, yeah. Again, I nailed it. So yeah, first time. But they, <laughs> they both went down. They both popped up, right? He did leg scissors. Well, yeah, he did because he jumped in. His, his what round was that? Was crossed, that second round? Uh, I think it was either second. It was very quick, right? Mm. But he, he, this is, leads into the point that I want to make. So, okay, you've got a wrestling background. Where is Combat Sambo going to join the mm. MMA crew, right? Because you've got Muay Thai, boxing. You've got Jiu-Jitsu. You've got all this kind of good stuff. But I feel like... I feel like sometimes when there's a judoku in an MMA fight, people are like, oh, you know, he does judo, so yeah. look for those takedowns. It's, it's like, different. Well, what are the, every, every second guy now that's great is Russian, and they all know combat sambo. They When's all know judo, too, because Putin's a judo guy. Putin's a judo black belt. I mean, he's all right. <laughs> I've rolled with rolled him a couple times. Yeah. Not a big deal. He doesn't, Whatever. Yeah, yeah. He a doesn't call me A bear anymore. will take him. But, um, <laughs> but it's that thing of like, okay, if you successfully complete something... But then both people stand up. Yeah. Then it's pointless. But you, you, but you successfully completed a takedown. Well, it's, it's an okay. act of dominance. because should, there be why a, should there be a time limit yeah, on so how long someone has to be down before truest, it counts? This is why the only truest form of jiu-jitsu competition is submission only, I think. Mm. <laughs> like... At the end of the day, like the no only, time submission only. The yep. only th if you want for pure jujitsu, yes. The but for self defense, form. no. Because those people because you want to make space. Those yeah, those people will flip around. They'll hang limbs. But they'll be okay. They'll okay. let people. But those are the best, best, best. So can we agree upon that self defense is not sport? I mean, well, if you're in the UFC, no, if it's I, MMA I mean, related. Anytime that you, is the whole nature sorry, of the game. Anytime you make anything a competition, that's sport. It changes. Once it, you for add sure. rules yes. to you, something, you that dumb it down. Sports, that becomes sport. 
And sport is different than self-defense. Yeah. Because in my opinion... There's definitely differences for if sure. If you defend yourself and you survive, you've succeeded. You've won. If I am in a situation where some drunk man or a woman smashes a glass and tries Point to stab me... Point that mic right to your mouth, dude. Yeah, there you go. The moment they try and... Tr- Stab me, and I managed to get away without being stabbed. <laughs> Irrespective, stabless, <laughs> yeah, nailed stabless it. win. Irrespective it. of how I obtained that, stab I've him succeeded. first. I've won. Yes, yeah. That's the definition. Not getting stabbed is a win, but for that's sure. that's more like a will versus will thing. Like no, you're no, no, not no, coming no, no, into it like. I'm gonna fucking stab this dude. I'm gonna do whether st- or not he knows jujitsu. It's <laughs> like, what if he also knows jujitsu? Let and me just stab my you. stab defense. Can't touch me. Just move it further away, and then yeah. Robot dick problems for five minutes. Are yeah. We good? You know what? Let's use this robot dick adjustment to take a pause. Go. I need just to pee. this robot dick. Okay. okay. No, no, so no. my microphone. We're gonna take a take okay, a pee break here, everybody. So this is a stronghold podcast number whatever the fuck I don't even know ten. anymore. Ten, bro. I'm too, ten. I'm Double too digits. Drunk. Oh my number ten. ten. Cheers, everybody. We'll be back yeah, soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> One, two. Yeah. You're gonna break the fucking thing in half, man. And we're back like, with. I'm too strong, bro. My fucking muscles. Look at that. Stronghold. Shit. Look at that oh, shit. Wow. Stronghold we'll, on. We'll on go on that zoom clapper. in. <laughs> Where's me out to even do that? So we're back <laughs> with the stronghold podcast episode ten, and as you can tell, we drank more in the break. And then we did we did questionable things. We always do questionable things here. Hey man, it's you know it is what it is. But it's for the sake of having a good you time. You gotta keep continuity going as much for the listeners as for ourselves. You know what I think? Like something like we were just talking about the Joe Rogan podcast, right? Obviously, you can have no doubt there's some inspiration. I sort of took the framing qualities and the, you know it's a martial arts kind of thing. But my thoughts are, as I'm ten podcasts deep, that this whole thing can strike a nerve in Singapore because as I've done more and more and more, I'm starting to get feedback now from people that watch it, from that, from places that I didn't expect. And I'm starting to get some messages, people messaging me online. And I really think that there's a niche here that's not hit. I mean, how often, first of all, how often do you sit uninterrupted in Singapore mm-hmm. and have two-hour conversations with somebody where you're not checking your phone? Can you hold that? Let me check not, my phone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Where you're not just constantly interrupted by external stimuli. And so that's the first thing. And then the second thing, I think, is just three people having a good time, like, we're not filtering this. We're just kind of saying what we want to say. There's not... No N-words, am I right? We're trying... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> only if it's super racist do we decide to cut. But that's only happened once, to be fair. I feel like super racist should actually be a superhero. I should make a shirt. Super racist. <gasps> Can you imagine how aerodynamic someone in a white hood would be, though? Compared to Superman? <laughs> I'm just oh saying. God. From a physics we point of view. Bring it back, is what you're saying. <laughs> bring it. Point is... Yeah. Point is... I feel like the, the podcast not only hits a nerve from the community, from the martial arts community, which was my initial mm-hmm. niche that I was targeting, right? Because to have this conversation uninterrupted, I've had the one championship fighters yep. on the podcast, I've had jiu-jitsu coaches, I've had friends, I've had all this kind of stuff. And I feel like there is a niche, especially in three. Singapore, right, for long-form discussion. Because you just don't, especially unfiltered, we're getting drunk as we're doing this. Like, we've already had how many beers, I've had it with other people, like... Yeah, I feel like how many times have you had drinks with friends and just... Wish the conversation was recorded. Yeah, I mean, I mean, fewer than before recording conversations came out. A lot of the times you'd be sitting around talking shit and be like, "That was a great conversation." Yeah. And then you leave, and then only recently it's become this like, I don't know. It, there's a bit of ego there. If you want to like, ah, I wish that was 
recorded and disseminated. It and, sounds you like know that, what I mean? but it's just like, I mean, this is, again, another reason why I wanted to start the podcast. Like, part of it was all that stuff I just mentioned, but part of it was an urge that I had to have these long-form conversations. Like, because you don't only... Like, the, the potential to have these conversations is limited in a modern-day context mm -hmm. with smartphones and all that kind of shit. But I just feel like I wasn't having enough of them mm -hmm. myself. Yeah. So... It wasn't really like, oh, I'm having all these great conversations. I wish other people could hear it. It was like, I wish I could have that. Yeah. Even like watching podcasts, the ones that I listen to. But busyness has become a commodity, yeah. right? Because you can say to someone, oh, do you want to do this, this, and this? And they'll say, I'm busy. And you automatically accept that because busyness has a value. What if you're doing fuck all? What if it's trite nonsense that you're doing for three hours? And in Singapore, people aren't doing that, man. People I mean, just aren't having those kind of... They're not doing this for two hours. We're obviously having world-changing conversations. Here. Bro, <laughs> we're, we're changing minds, changing hearts. I mean, it's more subtle than that, right? It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's not that exactly on the nose. But it's, a, it's something that I wanted to have. Well, and, so, and when people talk to you, they also, especially in a recorded environment like this, right? They tend to choose their words more carefully. The conversations tend to take on a slightly different context yeah. in ways that they wouldn't. Sorry, I don't choose my words. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. That ship has sailed. Sorry, I'm, just I'm, just yeah. Yeah. I'm just spewing out verbal diarrhea at this point. But I did feel like I wanted that for myself. So the podcast, obviously, this is something that I enjoy listening to, so it's why I wanted to do it. But the other thing is... I said this when I had I had Charmaine on the podcast. I had my wife. Yep. When was the last time either of you have sat uninterrupted for two hours and had a conversation with your wife? That's my lecture. When the internet went <laughs> out. <laughs> Sorry, th those are my... Did you say mine that? is the wife. When the part. internet yeah. went out? Yeah, yeah exactly. When the internet Sorry, went down. Uh, so I, I get to have that every uh, two weeks. Whether it's a or willingly or not. Uh, willingly or not, yeah. right? They they are strapped in and they're, they have no choice but to listen to me. Well, um, I, And it is... It's enjoyable. Do you listen to, to podcasts? I do. Do you listen to podcasts, right? Of course you I do. Love I love listening I to podcasts. Me too. And how much of those is like, there's a certain, <laughs> there's a certain percentage of it that you get is like intellectual curiosity, and then you also have like white trash podcasts, which so is like, I want to listen to people just talk some shit. I want to listen to people just be yeah. unfiltered and talk about whatever so they're going to talk about. That's exactly it. It's it also, when people yeah. are allowed to hang themselves. Yeah. Yep. Give they them all the rope in the world. Hang themselves. And that's yeah. my demographic, and ladies yeah. and gentlemen. That's, <laughs> that's what I'm going for here. People will expound on the ideas that they think about, and they extrapolate or they interpolate or whatever. Mm. But they say things that they would not, if they were restricted in how much time they had to say it, they wouldn't say what they would intend to say. They could we want have, to say something. Could we have rounded this conversation up in a tweet? Each. No, yes. it's impossible. Right? Yeah, it's impossible. impossible. No. And, and I think that... That's why the urge for long form exists. Exactly. Because Tweeting is, but and things like that is so... Pr I'll, I'll get back to you in a second. Sorry. I, actually, no, you know what? I'll get back to you now. Okay. okay. I was, my point, what I wanted to say earlier was that all of pretty much what we have now stemmed from people sitting in a room having conversations that w or debates that would exist for hours mm. because there was nothing to distract you from whatever it is that you were having a conversation about. And, and it is just that. It's, it's that only when people have the opportunity to express what it is that they are thinking in the entirety of what it is that they are thinking yes. do they have, I guess, the 
don't know. If if I say it's the opportunity to basically fully, yeah, go deep in what it is that they're trying to get at. Like if I talk to you for five minutes about jujitsu, be like, oh, it's a life changing thing that's so good for you, like blah 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 blah, and. You know, you can only skim so deep. But if you give someone three hours to then, yeah, expound on what they're talking about and why and all of the reasons and, and like, it's not like the three of us came here with a, a sheet of talking points. Nothing. I'm like, we're Literally gonna, we're going to talk about this, this, this. And everyone you has both their own like, what talking are we points. Talk about? I'm like, I have no agenda. <laughs> it is, you know, but it is what it is. Because that is the nature of a conversation. Because... You, we are both simultaneously teachers and learners when it comes to this very small thing and it's very circular and comes back to that whole thing we were talking about but you raise something which makes me have a question which makes me say something and then you have a question and and how can you do that by yourself right how can you how can you well, I think they not call only that challenge mental your own ideas, but you know what I mean? It, a, but I think they call that mental masturbation. Hey man, well, <laughs> no, but this is actually the point. Is like the, the, the nature of a podcast that's recorded like this kind of, to some extent, cuts out the mental masturbation. Because let's say Quan and I are having a conversation at the bar, right? If we're in a group of people, we can only have our conversation genuinely for a minute or two before someone's going to interrupt. And, and it's like we don't think that our conversations are so ingenious that other people can't listen to it. But the nature of the group format sort of uh, results in those people adding to something to the conversation that will derail it to a point where you can't return it to its, it's original it's form. It's flow in jiu-jitsu. You yeah. get two people that, that come together, you know, both have different skill sets, both have different kind of walks of life. They both know things. They both don't know things, and they're coming together and they're they're clashing their ideas of both offense and defense and how can you make it work. And the same thing happens in conversation. Like your background and my background and your background are very different, but there's the, it it can kind of it's almost like waves crashing off a rock. It can kind of crystallize in this one moment where we all talk about this one thing. But then as the spray develops, you know, you're going off on this tangent or over here or that reminds me of this thing. And just to be able to sit down and not necessarily work things out or work things through, but, but add weight or credence or um, to get, like, not necessarily backup, but, like, you know, to be able to find people. Because everyone has their own ideas in their head all day. Right, and what do you do? Do you just live with your own ideas in your head all day, or do you try to put them up against the wall? Yeah, it's not satisfying unless you or, have. You a, know what I mean? Yeah, it's, a it's like you have to. This is the fucking dojo of the mind, bro. You know, it's like yeah. you gotta you gotta roll through it because even if it's really but don't like simple, even if it's simple shit, right? Like I always say that this podcast is always like nuance. martial arts, drinking and talking shit. And there's a certain amount of talking shit that is just fun to watch or to be a part of or whatever. It doesn't need to be profound. It doesn't need to be like, we're not reinventing the wheel here. We're yeah. not giving these thoughts that no one's ever had. We're just giving a vessel for people to listen to. Even if we're talking shit about we're drunk and we're just talking, cracking jokes, saying whatever. Like yeah. That in, its, uh, in and of itself is something that lacks a lot if you don't have a long-form flexibility and movement. Like, you know, you have like comedians that have done the same set for 10 years, right? They knew they crushed it once and then they continue doing the same set because it kind of crushes for 10 years. Great. It's kind of successful, but how kind of, 
new and nuanced and adaptive is it? Like you, you talk about bringing up the K guard, which I'm a professional in, and I <laughs> so, he doesn't even know the K guard. This guy, fucking pussy. So yeah, what yeah, am I gonna do? Just no, give bro. me back my white belt. I'll be your jitsu. It's useless. Gladly take that. I gladly. But take you know that. what I mean? Like yeah. it, it's that kind of. Uh, it gives you a. It gives you a canvas on which to throw oily water and see what sticks and what moves, and then someone else can come and not necessarily judge your work, but add to it or remove it or question it or something like that. And having a questioning persona opposite your views is so important, yeah. or else you know you just you sit in your little bubble and you you think everything you think is right, and then you become a total dick. Yeah, you know. Yeah, or asshole. Yeah. Whatever. No, I'm yeah, not, not binary here. But it's, I mean, that's either one or a zero. <laughs> hey. no. I said we're not binary, you asshole. One's a zero. Dicks and assholes. I'm so childish. I wanted, to, I wanted to get your take on something, James, before we... I know you got to fuck off soon. I'm so do, sorry. I do. Because got, we got a oh, few it's, minutes it's left. Only... No, no, I've got four minutes. Yeah, exactly. So oh. let me... <laughs> exactly. Well said, James. Yeah. So in three minutes fifty-nine, and setting I think my wife just texted me, uh, heading out. back soon. Oh <laughs> well, that means you better be heading back soon too. So before you go, I want to pick your brain on like one last subject, and then after this, we'll bounce. So you're you're an interesting point because you're like me. You're a teacher who was uh, came to it after acquiring the skills, yeah, and then later became a teacher. Yeah. What do you think? Uh, you know, you teach at NTU the jiu-jitsu program there as well, right? No, I help. You help. Teach. You help. Uh, they have so I'm technically, at least legally, not allowed to be hired. Okay, so oh, he any in job no way has done any work have, else. Exactly. In no, listen to me. He's done nothing. Don't don't sue him. What please. is this? <laughs> you so you talk legally about. speaking, I'm not allowed to have any job aside from being a professor at NTU. But on the side, bro. But what on the side, I curricular? help. Look, look, look what I'm saying, bro. Yeah. On the side. Uh, on the side, I help I teach he's having the a students. <laughs> I help these students at NTU some jujitsu. So what do you think? Like, I'm more, I'm most interested in you in the sense that you were a teacher. Sorry, Greg. You're boring. It was easy. It was right yeah. there. You're an excellent <laughs> human being, James. <laughs> and I have to ask you questions. Greg, go fuck yourself. <laughs> I'm out. <But laughs> I wanted to ask you about your take on teaching specifically and then sort of what we talked about earlier, but becoming a sort of, expert in your trade and then going back and teaching it and what you think how that could apply to martial arts now given the experience that you've had teaching and what that means like what's your experience I guess from going through and learning the craft yeah. and then teaching the craft I would say that anyone who wants to become a genuine expert in their craft needs to experience teaching their craft I don't think there's any expert out there that exists without having spent some time. I'm not saying it has to be a predominant amount of time, but they had to have spent some time mm. teaching their craft because teaching something is the only time where you question whether or not you actually understand what it is that and you're people saying. also ask you questions being that maybe yeah all exactly. the time. I always tell my students the same thing. The hardest questions that I have difficulty bullshitting my way through is the most fundamental questions. Questions like, why? Why is it this? Yep. Why is it that? Not like, what is the answer? 
Point that I, thing right to your sorry. mouth. There. No, I, I can answer thought. questions like, what is the answer to this? Because mm. I can recite whatever yeah. the mm. solution the book says is. Or whatever, yeah, yeah. whatever the book says or whatever the rationale that I had was to get to the answer. The hardest question is, why is it that you set up the problem in that way? Why is it that you assumed this? It's like why? the framing of the question rather exactly. than the answer itself, when, right? When and people ask that question of why did you frame it in that way? Mm -hmm. Why did you approach it? And that changes that the answer, way? right? How you frame exactly. the question. What is, what is a teacher to you? If I say, like, what do you expect of a teacher? Someone that will answer your questions. At least that's my... Like, the, uh, dude, they used to drive me nuts as a kid, right? Is, is the people not having so questions would, to answer? So I would challenge okay. that. In yeah. my opinion, yeah, a teacher is someone who inspires someone to pursue something. Okay. That's a, it doesn't that's matter what it fair. is. Yeah. I think it's a further... Inspiration one further how? Along the it doesn't matter how they inspire them. In my opinion, there's a some, teacher is one who, yeah, yeah, one who inspires someone to pursue something. Because like telling someone telling someone something is true or But there's to teach but you. Is, That's the verb, right? To to impart knowledge on a particular subject. Does inspiration, yeah. inspiration come through You're gonna have shitty teachers that don't inspire anything that yeah. are doing they're teachers. Yeah. Right. You're thinking of it Repeaters. from a higher yeah, from a higher know. plane. Like which is fair. Because it's true. There's some maybe, truth in that. So th what I tell my students all the time is that maybe a hundred years ago. Knowing something is valuable. Mm -hmm. The fact that you could recite mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. a poem or the fact that you grew, you know the definition of a, a million different words had value because at that time there was no free access to information. Yep. Yeah, totally. But in this day yeah. and age, we've elevated beyond that. We have things like Yahoo. Exactly. You have Google. <laughs> if you want. Yeah, we to also have teachers. No, no, they can't if you re replicate the job of the search engine. Right? But if you wanted to yeah. know facts, anyone can find information anywhere in an instant. But they can't teach you a but subject. I, I know but that I've Googled. To know Googled. the connections Sorry. between different concepts yeah. Yeah, 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 that's, yeah. That's it. Yeah. Is, is something that cannot be found by just knowing things. Yeah, and that's yeah. a skill. That's, that yeah. I think you nailed it, bro. You, you nailed it and you said it very eloquently. With, but but does the flexibility in knowing a subject reflect off your students? Because you've gone through the gamut of one year, two years, four years, eight yeah. years of hearing all of those questions. So now you have an answer to those questions. Okay, so there are some answers, some questions that I have canned answers for. Right. Well, that, yeah. That's just okay, a yeah. sort of a survival tactic. Right. Of there are some binaries, right? Yeah, like, there's some things There's some that laws I do that are that indisputable. Are I uh, hear again and again and again, and I use it as a survival tactic. But there are other things that make me reflect on what I genuinely yeah. understand. And does that mostly come from in introspective things? It's or more introspective. Oh, so students who ask questions Eat a like, dick, students. Yeah. You don't no, mean no, no, no. nothing. So the students, in my opinion, the best students ask questions more about why yep. than how. Yeah. yeah. The students that ask how are pretty like you want to basic. It's yeah, basic it's understanding. Easier to answer. To yeah. Yeah. Answering how do you get from A to B is easier to yeah. answer than why do you yeah. get from A to B. Yeah. Well, I can. Can I 
Yeah, yeah, jump in. This? yeah, yeah. Okay, think about jujitsu, right? Our, our community that watched this is mostly jujitsu people. About MMA? No, hold on. I'm going to tie it into his point. I'm going to tie it into his point. I don't do MMA. Yeah, he I only do does jujitsu, bro. He inverts, bro. And he puts uh, his fucking head right between I my legs. Away from it. I can hammer fist that head all day while he's upside down. So, yeah, but that's like, why I stick to jujitsu. <laughs> but you've got a decent striking game. I got to well. keep this face pretty. Yeah, it's your moneymaker. It's my. Uh, but like something like the hip escape or the bridge, right? If we take it to the fundamental parts of jujitsu, right? The hip escape and the bridge are the most fundamental aspect of jiu-jitsu. It's the, mm. fun, it's the cornerstone of your movement, your basic baseline movement, right? If we extrapolate that further, okay, well, then make you can... Make space get away. Make space get away. But then you can talk about the guard, and then it becomes this all-encompassing, yeah. and then the various mm. kinds of guard, and then you yeah. can get up lost yeah. in the weeds, right? But if you stick to the fundamentals, like this is what a hip escape is, well, a white belt can show you. Right, I can show you a hip oh, escape. Shrimp up and down here, bro. Yeah, you can shrimp up and down these masks <laughs> twenty times. Yeah. Right, and a white belt who's trained for two months can show you a hip escape, and they can maybe even show you a textbook hip escape. Mm-hmm. But how they apply that knowledge to the yeah. overall yeah, game exactly. is a total game changer. And furthermore, how they can teach that methodology to a large audience and make it receptable and something they so can understand. So, where the how? Uh, sorry, which yeah. is where the how becomes the why? Yes. Yeah. 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 So I want to jump on that. So one of my favorite things to do, so I love playing bottom game. I love inverting. But one of the things I enjoy doing is letting people knee shield slice, or sorry, sorry, uh, knee slice out of my guard. So I have a knee shield, and they will knee slice out of that. To here? Yeah. You sort of force the knee slice. I want them. I want them to knee slice. I want to lure them. You're setting a trap. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I want them to knee slice because when they knee slice, Bam. I push them away at just the right time so that I can attack the arm. Is that against the ribs? Oh, and then oh yeah, that's no, your no, 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 more, yeah. Uh, he, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so my favorite exactly thing is about. when they knee slice <laughs> I know, out. I know exactly. I have the opportunity to either attack the kimura or the armbar directly. Yeah. Just and the, can I just uh, sorry? Yeah. Layman. So. Uh, when they, you said that you like to knee slice. Past I like you. to let to people them knee slice him. I purposely set them up so that they can knee slice. You push out. their knee out. Exactly. You let them free. I it. purposely let them to set up the perfect knee slice. So the focus is like I'm crushing this knee slice right now. Yeah. But exactly. I don't care where you're my arms are. Bro, yeah, you're killing exactly. me right now. Okay, okay, you're yeah, killing this you, knee slice. Yeah, please yeah, continue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please, <laughs> please continue See, that's like this baseball choke. Yeah, same thing. I mean, so there's, like, there's oh, those traps. So I want, them, I want them to knee slice so yeah. that I can set up the next position, which is my arm bar from the knee slice. Yeah. And which is high level jujitsu. You're baiting. Yeah, it's, it's sort you're of setting traps. You're baiting. Yeah. So master baiter over here. Yeah, you're a master baiter, bro. Really jacking that off. Anyway, <laughs> I'm really jacking off that <laughs> knee slice, man. Yeah. So I set that up so that I'm they can team. set up the knee slice and then I can go for the arm bar. And then it's always a surprise for sort of blue belt to white belt level. And they go, oh, I did the knee slice perfectly. Like, yeah. how did you get that arm bar? It's and you're like, like, oh, bitch. Yeah, oh, exactly. bitch. It's like, you think you. I know that is <laughs> you what you, you are you going don't. to do. So yeah. that's why I set this up so that I can trap your arm and get the, knee, uh, get the arm bar. And is a, is a black belt sitting there like. No, no, no. I no, they never do that. Well, yeah. no, no, no. But what I was going to say is like. The levels. But when you right. get to it. Are you just like, I can't fucking wait for this guy to bait my fucking knee slices yeah. so he does no, no, this no, no, and then no, no, no. bam, I got him. 
The black belt. So is you know what usually I mean, when I take spar, step yeah, exactly. Top. So when I spar with a black belt, and I, I let them, I give them, I beg the them to go for the knee slice. They never do. Yeah, because they they backstep out. Especially if they know your game. Yeah. They backstep out and they pass my guard that way. Yeah. So it's, it's like it's, it's again they know levels to the shit. Exactly. It's the it's, it's the almost levels. like fighting isn't just brutish. Yeah, that's, that's it's almost right. like no, you need no, to no, think no. about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's almost as if there's some intelligence that's required <laughs> for this. Yeah. Well, Quan, I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to keep you. I know you have passing. a strict. Yeah, you have I a strict do. time frame, which is which is uh, cool. So I have a. I have to turn into a. You have a new child. You have a new child, and your wife, fairly enough, is like, hey, I want some time off. Because yeah. she had the fucking baby, and you just yeah. just jerked off, and basically, and then you all of a sudden had a baby. So well, I didn't. What did you do today? <laughs> I came and talked shit and got drunk. Yeah. What did you do? Yeah. Uh, this is I had a really good time just splooging aimlessly. Point, it's going to be not, really bad, but you, yeah, it's basically that. But, you but now I know that you play inverted, so when we roll, I'm going to face stomp like a motherfucker. No, you're not. What? <laughs> you're, Is that not allowed? Okay, so Quan, we got to get you out of here, bro. I don't yeah. want you to stay late, but maybe Greg and I will continue on for a little bit longer, and we'll wrap up all of this shit. Leave this here thank you for fair. Thank you for coming on to the podcast, man. That, that is, is a respectful. I can I just point I out that he did not finish oh, his beer? I, can so. I can I pull a plug on this? Yeah, plug. Yeah, man. This want, is for you as well. Right uh, November twelfth, we will be having a beer brewing competition at NTU. Oh shit! November yeah. what? November twelfth. That's it's like two Tuesday. days. It's in two days. I can't brew Tuesday. beer in two days. No, 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 oh, no you no, fucking no. weak it's ass not, bitch. It's meant for the what undergrads at NTU oh, okay. to brew beer. I hope that you can show up and uh, be a Let's part of it. Let's do it, man. Put him on the spot, uh, motherfucker. Can you send me, <laughs> yeah, can you send me his contact? Yeah, yeah, I'll totally. I'll for sure. I'll yeah. send you my contact. I'll definitely. What a pleasure. Making friends, man. Making friends. Okay, guys, this is the Stronghold Podcast, episode ten. James, motherfucking Kamora Kwan. James Kwan. Oh, yeah. So, back at Kimura Kwan, you, if you want to go for Instagram. Killer Kimura Kwan. No, no, it's just Kimura Kwan. <laughs> so, so, my game is all K. about Kimura tracks. And I can, I can, be, I can vouch for yeah, I said yeah, yeah, yeah. I can I, vouch I, for Kwan's I, Kimuras so, if they're called. Okay. Uh, Luke has probably submitted me more times than I've submitted him, but the only times that I've ever submitted him has been two things. Toehold. Ankle locks or toeholds. Uh. So, so, so foot game or Kimuras. Those yep. are the only two things that I've ever gotten. Fair enough. Maybe Damn. like, I think I can count four or five times I submitted you compared to the, I can't even count <laughs> the number of times I believe it was 1,827. Yeah, yeah. brother. It's just, that's that's jiu-jitsu. just the nature of jiu-jitsu. Yeah. Roll mad. dice. Bring it on, brother. It's good stuff. James Kwan. Legend. Cheers, buddy. Thanks for coming in. And we'll do it soon. I'm glad we uh, we'll do another so one soon. About the chemistry of beer. <laughs> we got, Off we got, camera. We got yeah. a good solid 20 minutes in there. Okay, everybody. Stronghold Podcast yeah. Episode 10. We'll be back soon. And this is Episode 10 of the Stronghold Podcast. And we're back, Greg, with the thing that we don't even know the name of. It's the, we the, the clacker. The clapper. Sure. What did you call it? Clapper snapper. The cla- cla- clap stick. Clap stick. Yep. Juan called it the, what did he call it earlier? Got to get that clap. I don't know. No one knows what that's called. If you know what that's called, then fuck you, honestly, right? <laughs> so we're back, and uh, thank you, Wugong, for sticking around. This thing is a, you know, we go for a long time. It's been like four hours, and mm-hmm. Wugong has to set all this shit up. By the way, the Wugang, my producer of the podcast, is the shit. Hashtag W-U-G-A-N-G. And we're getting him a mic, which I told him he should get because he needs to get his opinion out there. God damn it, because we talk yeah. about him all the time. Fuck yeah. So the Wugang, guy, I'm going to make a shirt. Wugong. A Wugong. But it's got to be the Wugang. Because only white people watch this, dude. <laughs> only white people watch this. No one knows what the fuck. 
His name is Wugong. For you three people in West Virginia that are watching. What's up? The Wugang. How y'all doing? Anyway, so we came back to do our last beer and uh, finish up. Thanks, Wugong, for sticking around. I appreciate it, Last man. beer of the podcast, for we, sure. We're going overtime now. So. Well, we're, we're going to revert back to the Ballast Point Sculpin IPA, one of my favorite beers. I've got... Is that the second? Oh, the, oh, we're back on this one. Okay, let me finish this. This is the next. For sure. The Ballast Point. So um, when I... The first microbrewery I joined in Singapore was called Jungle Beer, and it's based out in Sembawang. And the guys that came to rig it, or the guy that came to rig it, uh, his name's Alan Shepard. Shout out to the absolute juggernaut of brewing. Tag these people in the video, man. Will do, man. We'll that's do. how you get people watching. Well, it's not about that. It's just about paying respect. But know? exactly. But um, he's the same guy that I went to Barcelona with, right? Oh, oh um, yeah. Yeah. Which is what legend. led to your absolute, brewmaster. Dude, absolute legend. Yeah, fucking shout that dude out, bro. Um, but we, I remember going to the Ballast Point because this is uh, around Escondido, California. These all the beers that we drunk today are from California, right? Yeah. The uh, Cal, uh, the Coronado, the Green Flash, blah blah. Oh, this was my favorite one, the it's India Pale Ale. Isn't it? I said it earlier on the. I didn't even realize until now IPA, which, which one IPA, we were drinking. Um, this Ballast Point Sculpt because they they also have get a, a grapefruit sculpin. Um, can you get it at everywhere? All your local IPA they have retailers. This everywhere. <laughs> uh, I'm like not going to distribution so. companies, mm. but um, th- there were a couple of beers that got me into brewing, right? One was, um, it was called Bishop's Finger, right? And I was in the UK. I know, right? It sounds Sexy name. <laughs> Bam. It's I wet myself. Bro. I basically slid off my chair. Um, no, but it was called Bishop's Finger. And it was this cra- cra- craft beer. A beer that was crafted? What? As and they I'd are. never come across this thing before. And I, I tried and I was like, holy shit, this tastes Baron's amazing. Finger? Bishop's Finger. Bishop's Finger, oh. yeah. Um, slightly chocolatey. No, it's not. That was a oh, good joke. bro. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, and that was given to me by a, a fr- like friend of the family. That like he was like, "This is what I drink. Have you ever had one of these?" I was like, uh, "Is it a Guinness? You know, is it a blah 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 blah?" I'd never tried something that was small batch, artisanal, bespoke, blah blah yeah. blah blah. So, the Bishop's Finger and the Sculpin to me were two moments in time where I was like, holy fuck. Like, everything has just changed. Yeah. Does that make sense? You yeah, know? Totally. So like, Bishop You just got the spark like, in your craft where you're like, whoa. This, like, beer that tastes, like, slightly... Uh, I, th- I can't even remember the style of Bishop's Finger. I think it was, like, an amber or, like, a like a Scottish mild or something. I was like, wait, it's not yellow fizzy stuff that you just get this much of and then you drink that much and then you get another one of that much you know it was, it was like the, all of a sudden you you added nuance to a thing that I thought I knew fairly well yeah right it's like it's like doing jiu-jitsu all your life and then someone being like have you tried leg locks and you're like <laughs> what the fuck are yeah, you exactly. talking about have you heard this of this thing nonsense. called leg locks <laughs> <laughs> totally and to me this was it was it was a turning Both point. Both the sweep right? and the armbar for yeah. me in brewing because it was, it was a classic example of something that was new to me, which sounds weird because how do you have an how do you have experience of what is classic and a new in a new concept? But immediately I was like, oh shit, this is benchmark. Does yeah. that make sense? It was yeah. like this 
is so new, so well-crafted, so well-made, so put together and captures a moment in time. And to me, Ballast Point Sculpin IPA was that, right? Sure, Ballast so that's, Point. That's, that's, amen. That's, that's what we're drinking. Ballast, Point, Ballast being, Point. They've been bought over, right? So by a, a bigger, larger company. They also do. I haven't um, even tried it yet. I'm just realizing. Oh, wait. I had uh, it earlier, but I haven't had this one since I opened it. You get a fresh pint of this in at their fucking tap room. Yeah, dude. This is a good shit. I mean, we're not even drinking out of glasses because we're fucking plebs. <laughs> but <laughs> Or peons. Pick your pronoun. But regardless of what happens to this beer, the story that it has after I met it, I will always have the story of before, if that makes sense. So yeah. it's, it's like this became such an integral part of brewing to me. Because it was, yeah, like I said, it was, it was classic. It was, it, it tasted good. It was beginning to be juicy. It was slightly grapefruity. I mean, it's kind of nuts that you can take a vine, right? Add it to some fucking, sorry for swearing. Add it to some like sugar water, right? And then maybe make it hot for a little bit. And it tastes like grapefruit. Yeah. It's like a wine or a well, beer or something. Yeah. Or, or the same compound that exists. It, t- it tastes like grapefruit at this concentration. It tastes like lemon at this concentration. It tastes like pomelo at this concentration. Well, it's like you're down, that, you're down that path of mastery. You know? Well, and when yeah. you, well, once you know enough, like you were talking about this beer and how it like, was a turning point for you. Mm-hmm. Once you have that, even like let's say you're a jiu-jitsu blue belt or something. So good. Once you hit that triangle or you hit that back take... And then, like, that's your move. Everybody's got a special move, right? It's like something mm-hmm. that they discovered early Ezekiel on. Ezekiel choke, baby! See, yeah, that's your, <laughs> that's your Ezekiel choke, right? Everybody's got some move, even in Muay Thai. Like, they have some jab or cross or Forget that kick. I said Ezekiel choke, anyone that I rolled with. Exactly. Ezekiel. I don't know the By the way, that's choke. a good sneaker, s- hey man, secret choke for a lot of it people. It is low effort, big payoff, which yeah. is I'm all about. Exactly, which is a fair enough point about <laughs> it. And you can hit it from a lot of places. Yeah, you But can. It's, it's that move, right? You For your... For you, it's Ezekiel Choke. Mm-hmm. For me, it was a guillotine. Once I found that, I found it, right? Yep. And then yep. I started yep. making it, building a game around that. And it doesn't mean mm-hmm. you don't have the other components, but that thing was a game changer. As soon as you get it, it's like you have – imagine the game of jiu-jitsu is a band, and you have multiple kind of small pits that go all the way through arm bar, triangle, blah, 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 front hip, you know. The more that you rush, the, the more that you practice, and the more that you go through these individual things, it becomes a bigger funnel to it. Yeah. So you, it's like a web. Yeah. Right? So you, originally, you know the technique, and then you learn, oh, but what if I come from side control? Oh, what if I come from around the back? Oh, what if I come from... And this way, you're going like, oh, maybe if I sneak up from this you know, position. And all of a sudden, the, the end point, which is the technique, right, is the same. Yeah. There might be different variations, but you've broadened that kind of um, funnel of possibilities larger and larger and larger. So they still all lead back to the one point. Yeah. But now you're like, oh, what if he took my back and I did this? What if he, you know, did? What if I rolled under? What, you know? Yeah. And let's say that's like you know one I mean? submission. Totally. Let's say oh, that's one submission. Yeah. Like it's a triangle, right? It's like so you, beautiful. You have a, yeah. This so is the beautiful. well. What it is is it's added layers of complexity, mm-hmm. right? Like let's say the triangle is your move, right? Okay. You learn how to do a triangle from close guard, and then maybe you learn how to do it from mount, and then you maybe you learn how to do it from whatever position, yep. right? Just pick your from spider guard or from whatever, right? And then okay, that's your triangle. Every 
position that you increase your knowledge of how to hit that move mm-hmm. is like a web, mm-hmm. right? That leads to some jujitsu concept, mm-hmm. right? Some overarching. And then you, okay, you got a triangle. Now you add your arm bar. And there's some pl- places that you can get a triangle arm bar combination, right? And then the branch just extends. And then all the positions. Because you might have come from it from arm bar. Yeah. Or you might have come from it from triangle. So you're broadening your opportunities in both ways. So yeah, and then you have like every move. So like, okay, let's say for example, triangle armbar, those are connected, right? You can also add an omoplata so to it. beautiful. Though. And those are all from one, like let's call it father or yep. sister generation yep. of techniques, right? It's like language. And then, exactly. And then you break off, this jiu-jitsu is the central concept, right? Mm-hmm. And breaking off into that, you have, let's say, upper body attacks mm-hmm. or arm specific attacks, kimura, yep. omoplata, armbar, right? And then you branch off that and you go to neck attacks, right? All this is all jiu-jitsu. And then, okay, you want to branch off? Now we have leg locks. Okay, and there's a whole series of multiple different versions of leg lock that you can mm-hmm. hit. Toe hold, ankle lock, mm-hmm. heel hook, all that kind of shit. So you've, and then on top of that, you have, okay, you're playing top or bottom. Are you passing the guard or are you trying to sweep? And then from all those various guards, and it's just like the shit just explodes outwards. And as you add individual, as you gain mastery, you uh, sort of increase your knowledge and your level of understanding, and all of those webs just continue to spurt out on top of each other. How are, th- I mean, really? thinking about this how is it not infinite because oh it is without question say you're passing the the guard with the arm here what about here what about here what about here what about here so now you have 20 different positions between the the hands slightly behind the back to the hands slightly in front of the back how can you attack it what fulcrums are there how do you move it you can go deep around can you push it but then it's also applied to and i We'll always go back to this because I think, I don't know, hate me, I don't care, I don't go on the internet. <laughs> um, Luke, a jiu-jitsu black belt. Man, um, not technically. Hey, man. Gotta say it. Hey, man. Um, everyone that knows you, <laughs> knows you, right? Because say you have traditional martial arts, and this is what I was talking to you about, right? If you have traditional martial arts... Black belt, great. If you have traditional martial arts plus wrestling, great. Like, I would consider you a slightly different martial artist. I would consider I wouldn't consider you the same black belt because you've been through all the different variations of what about here? What about here? What about here? You have that wrestling pedigree, a sambo, jujitsu black belt, right? Different to you, yeah. Because it's like okay, well. Now maybe I'm working for immediate side control off a off a takedown, or maybe maybe I'm gonna try and like sprawl a weird way and take us back. And it, it it it's these, it's all the minutia. Yeah, right. Exactly. You How can you know everything? Yeah, you can't. You can't. Uh, dude, you can't. I'll, give you, I'll give you an example. I saw a great YouTube clip earlier, which was uh, learn you know, from YouTube. No, pals. no, that's legit. Because John, <laughs> John Danner is on YouTube. Fuck so I have. Bro, there's this choke, baby. There's legends. This is one of the great things about the internet, right? Is that you, there are masters. This is of how the you highest order. Gerbil. Yeah, exactly. Right. Gerbil. Shout out to Gerbil. Bam. Fucking uh, Jeremy. Great. Errol. Great. Jeremy Errol. Ah. Shout out to you. In some way, you contributed to my move to Singapore, and yep. a lot of people followed his blog online. Yeah, I. D- that one of the first things I read getting into jiu-jitsu. Let's, let's, jiu-jitsu. let's Sorry. explain it. No, let's just like okay. get into it. So uh, Jeremy Errol created this uh, sure dog. I don't know if it's sure dog. I saw it on sure I bl- I, Yep, I did the same. And it was uh, basically a vlog where he chronicled yep. his uh, move to Brazil. I think he was a purple belt. He was an ex-military guy. And then he moved to... Yeah, he was like a... I missed that part. He was, cool. Yeah, he was in some military. Like he was a... 
I don't know if he was an NCO or a sergeant or something, but he was military export. And he decided to move to Brazil to get mm-hmm. his black belt and start to work toward jiu-jitsu. And he went and trained with Gordo and yes. uh, Gorginho, which is the yes. Evolve connection. Because right. yep. yep. uh, Evolve originally was a gordo Gorginho school. A lot of their uh, professors are Gordo uh, lineage. Gorginho, mm-hmm. for example. I think Zorro, who was there when I was there, was also a Gordo. And then Gorginho, which is his... Oh, shit. I can't remember. But it wasn't just... It wasn't just the pedigree of which he'd come to which he was going to. Like, the way that he wrote it, it was totally, like, was desperate vlog. housewives for guys <laughs> yeah, that exactly. were jiu-jitsu. Oh, bro, like, for oh, jiu-jitsu. there was trouble between these house people. Oh, yeah. And, you I know? mean, for jiu-jitsu people, this was, like, uh, this was porn. You're, I mean, yeah. you're, you're reading, like, internet porn, right? I mean, I didn't jerk off to it. I would. Many times. <laughs> but, you know, it was, it was like this. But that was the connection. Was but it was Gordo the human element to the... Cause yeah. As he describes his system, score, story, right? training with the black belts yeah. in Brazil, yeah, as he was describing it. And, I mean, I'm not necessarily going to say he was one of the first to do it, but t- to document it, at least... It went viral. What I came It went through, viral for the U.S., I would say. Which is amazing. In the early days of things, it went Which viral. just shows how much interest there was, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. Like, he tapped into something that hadn't been... Tapped into it, this literally. guy. Uh. No, but, you know, he was a pioneer. Yeah. Right. It, not necessarily. I still going watch his there. videos to this day. Oh, um, my j- whole omoplata. Um, my whole omoplata game. Jiu-jitsu, but I don't know. No, yeah, it's, it's great. One. It's great grappling now. Great grappling. Yes, great it grappling. is. Absolutely. And uh, I, his whole um, uh, lasso game, I got from his video, which I still play. Like his leg lasso game, I still play. And so I messaged him just to give context to the story. I messaged him when I was in St. Lucia, which is where I lived. Right. I was in the Caribbean before How I moved. Who you then? 22, 21, 22. Yep. yep. I just made my pro debut. That was from St. Lucia because right. I trained at the Adrenaline Training Center before that in Canada, which is where I was sort of intermediate. I moved to St. Lucia, messaged this guy, and he uh, was a Gordo student, which was in Singapore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I think he told me something about Evolve. I, don't, I think I looked and then I messaged him because they were a Gordo affiliate and he mm-hmm. got his black belt from Gordo. So I sent him a message because I had seen all of the shit on Sherdog about him talking about his journey to brazil to get his black belt and it was just a kind of passive like just comment hey you know you just you know you message people totally. just to see like if they're going to respond what's up? yeah you got a message from joey <laughs> diaz same thing right i just messaged this dude i mean from opposite parts of the world and was like hey what's up i'm moving to singapore and then i think he told me about evolve which is why my first spot was to go there and in some ways that was important for me when i moved mm-hmm. to singapore because i wanted a place to train yeah and when me and my ex-wife at the time were trying to decide where we were going to move, when I found Singapore, the first thing I did was look at a jiu-jitsu gym. It's in your blood, right? And then How I, can yeah, you not? I mean, I, I'm bored to do it for sure. And then I messaged the guy, and then I was like, and then I found out about it, and then I moved there, and then the rest is history. Now I'm here, seven, eight years later, doing a fucking podcast <laughs> in the middle of my gym, it, bro. Crushing it. Well, I don't know about that, but the potential hey man, exists to no, crush it in the future. It's we're still an upstart, bro. But in, in terms of like. Russian in this kind of very, like, collective approach to doing things. This holistic approach to skill giving and information sharing. At the end of the day, people are paying you to share what you know. Right? Yeah. In no. this context, yes. The knowledge that I've accrued. Well, no, in a, in a gym, yeah, if you're exactly. a teacher, yeah, it's like, you know a thing I don't know. I'll pay I'm for gonna you, pay to, you teach to teach me, me that, this skill. Yeah. Which is why you teach them 10 out of 11 tricks. <laughs> yeah. Grasshopper cannot beat me on that last one, right? I'm sure you know how to kill your students in a million ways that they have no idea about. Well, they can make a show. 
And they should. <laughs> a <laughs> thousand <laughs> ways to kill your students, <laughs> and it's just me fucking murdering people. <laughs> hey, <laughs> it's, it's like Happy Gilmore. To be fair, there'd be a lot of people who would murder the shit out of me, too. For sure. <laughs> yeah, but it, for but sure, this is what bro. we talk about, like, for mastery sure. and knowing things and coming back to it. But, it, you know. Um, Point is, we were talking originally about internet influence and mm. how it comes to the to sort of in, uh, teachers having people that you meet over time. Mm. And it's weird that this gerbil jiu-jitsu guy, Jeremy Errol, was a guy that I just half-heartedly messaged to find out information he knew about where I was moving to. And then that connected me to the gym that I train at now, or trained at then, and then led me to the connections. The reason I started teaching was because of a connection that I met at Evolve. Okay. Arlene, right. at the time, right? I met her at Evolve in Ahmed, and they were together at the time. And then when I met them, they wanted to open up their own gym. And that's where I started working at Trifecta. And then there were loads of those, and then that has led me to Stronghold. How many people that were say um like like from the states or whatever i know you you came here in in different circumstances but when you talk about jeremy going to brazil to train and the kind of vlog that he led you must have seen this kind of brotherly opportunity it's like i'm going to a country i know nothing about to try and set did you have when you were coming to singapore um, did you have that in your mind of, I want to do jujitsu or were you like, I'm coming here and let's see what happens. I mean, at the time, I guess I would have said that I was just moving where I had to move for my yeah. job or for my, my family or whatever. But in the process of that, I was like, okay, let me find out how to maximize my life while I'm there. Mm-hmm. And through that, I messaged him and got a connection that ultimately it's one of those tenuous connections. It's like really fleeting. You know, oftentimes you can. Exactly. It's kind of weird, right? Like even me meeting Wugong, right? My producer. The reason I met Wugong was because I had a student who used to train with me, Ryan, who's in Penn State. He's Penn State doing his PhD. And I, I told him that I wanted to start a podcast because I'd done one with you. And so I'd wanted mm-hmm. to just get back into it. Just try, yeah. right? And then whatever happens, happens. And so it's interesting because this is these threads of connectivity that run in a way that you don't see, right? I met you. Before I met any of these people, and then I, and while I was training at Evolve, in fact, yep. and then through that, I decided I wanted to start a podcast. This is when I was a teacher, yep. before I was ever doing jiu-jitsu as a profession. Which, let's be fair, you went from New York drama, mm. came out here, yeah, my, my school was in drama, to and in English, ESL. teaching philosophy, not just like, here are the things, you know, it's not <laughs> just that thing of like pouring how long did I steal that book from you for and never finish? Which one? <laughs> uh, which one exactly? Because there have been like two. Was it Sophie's uh, World or was Sophie's it? Sophie's World. Uh, yeah. yeah. That, uh, like. Which is the history of philosophy? In book. such a presentable yeah. like, way. It's but just a narrative kind of. But yeah. it just shows your flexibility. Say a student comes in. What's up, coach? I'm about to school you on some K-Guard. <laughs> you go home. You crush YouTube for like three hours. And you come in the next day. K-Guard, let me show you some nuance to this, Yeah. right? You flipped from arts and drama. You fl- Then you went to English. Then you went to philosophy, which gives you this kind of thinking scaffolding to then apply to your jiu-jitsu, right? So you have this... Because, I mean, the reason I got into jiu-jitsu in a very roundabout way, right, is because before I had a beard, I had a mustache, right? Kutsu, kutsu. Um, is that mustache? Is it? 
Hu Zi. Hu Zi. Hu Zi. Hu Zi. Gong's phoning him that your Chinese is shit. No, right well, now. so the. <laughs> so, okay, as a little aside, um, when I, I had like a Dolly mustache, right? It would tickle my cheek up here. Curl. The, the, the yeah. French tickler. <laughs> well, I don't know what that is. Um, so, uh, a friend of mine said, you have to be able to recognize this phrase, right? And it was, um, excuse me, not a burp. Uh, right? I probably wrecked it. Oh, you get ruined it. Idea? Ruined it. Yeah. Did you get the general idea? You know what I'm talking about? Anyway. Or kutsu? Kutsu. Okay. So basically it was, I like your mustache. Uh. Right? In Mandarin. Or, yeah. Let's go with that. Uh, <laughs> I've been drinking today. Some Mandarin? Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Wukong is the clear. So, but the only way that I can learn is to do it. Mm. Right? So I remember sitting, I was at Muddy Murphy's fucking bar drinking cider. And a Chinese dude with an amazing mustache pulled up. To, like... Right next to me, and I was like, oh, "This is my moment <laughs> to so say I, this thing." I'm yeah, practicing. It's totally. I was like, I "Did get his re- his reaction?" So I was like, "What's he want And he just looked at me, like, "Uh, I'm out of here." Picked up a streak <laughs> and left. Right. But the problem like this is, fucking white dude pretending like he well, knows. Well, no, because you have you have hutsu, uh, which is mustache, and you have kutsu, which is pants. So I basically like sidled up to this guy <laughs> and be like, "What's up? I like pants." <laughs> and he was like, uh, "I'm out. I don't, <laughs> exactly. I don't want anything to do with this." Fuck this weird white dude who's trying to tell me he likes what's in my pants. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's three years. I totally lost my train of thought because yeah. that, that's so funny. I don't, to come I don't back know where we were at anyway. Going into this conversation. Oh, we were, I, know, I remember we were talking about the threads. Right. The yes. little threads that lead to. So I met you just to. Right. See, I fucking can right. think about oh, what sorry. I'm talking yeah, about. I just remembered, if you don't mind me carrying Go on. Go on, bro. So, because <laughs> I had this fucking mustache, uh, and I'm, I'm bold, bald af, bro, represent. Um, the only costume that I thought that I could be for Halloween was ye olde, like punchy guy, British 1, boxer, 1,000 pounds, yeah. leopard skin leotard, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. And it was a couple of months before Halloween, and it, I just signed up. I was like, I'm going to learn how to box. By the way, a couple months before, you were in front of that. You were thinking about it. You were like, I'm going to become a boxer because this costume is in my head. Well, because I'm so <laughs> passive, I thought that someone was going to want to have a fight with me. Because I was a boxer, right? Even though, like on the street, like yeah, people are just yeah. going to be no, like, I oh, I just, I see you're exactly, <laughs> exactly. And everyone did. As soon as I went like that, everyone, like, well, the dudes, obviously, no women do this because that women be... are dicks. So, like, as soon as I went like this, they would be like, hoo, ha, hoo, you know, and uh, assume the position of fucking old Siley boxing. Yeah. So I, Went to evolve. Well, I I went to evolve. I did the the fucking. That's where I ate shit on the first run around the room thing. You know. Um, Did all the did all the skipping. Finally got into it, dude. The the warm up was so much worse than the actual class. Yeah, yeah. That's typically how it is. You know my warm up for Muay Thai is. Listen to this. So a four-minute skip. thousand ki- Oh, what no, the you're fuck? Not, you're not too far off. Hold on, bro. We just got started. My warm-up is a four-minute skip. After the skip, it's 100 push kicks, 100 knees, and 100 round kicks. Uh, That's pu- my warm-up. Push kick like a teep? Like a teep. Okay. Left teep, right teep. You're not going hard. You're just juggling the bag, right? You're standing in front of it. Pop, 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 
push kick, push kick, push kick. Are you then they kick lower me. on the bag so it's easier. I know, to exactly. <laughs> I, tell, I tell people all the time, guys, you're not kicking people in the balls or in the <laughs> vagina because there's women that train also, okay? What if you put like a like a, like a a hot orange piece of marker point that was kick usually above hips? this. Yeah. It's a good idea. Hey, we man. should put a hot pink on the back. Kick above that or you're a fucking <laughs> pussy. Or you and invert then, the shaft. Yeah. So And then 100 round kicks. And for the 100 round kicks, I partner. Is that when you twist the hips and yeah, throw the it full, in? the tie kick, right? <laughs> round kick to the body. Yeah. So if you're uh, in a group of two, it's like you switch every 10. One leg holds the kick, bag? body kick, head kick, yeah. I do 10 right kick to the leg. I do 10 left kick to the leg. I do 10 right kick to the body. You do 10 right kick to the body. I do 10 right kick to the head. You do 10 right kick to the head. Then the last set is the double kick. Bop, bop, double tap. Wait, what? Thai style. Every kick is two. Is that where you jump? No, no, just you, you kick, and then you skip step, and then you kick again. So is that, bop, bop, double is kick. that kicking with the same leg in two different heights? Yeah. Or is that you kick with the right leg, for example, then you hop, step back, and then you re-kick. Yeah. Okay. Or, yeah, you can change the level, or you can kick double to the body. But the ties will often have you kick like five or ten times in a row. So the double kick, the continuous kick is sort of the part of Thai style training. And actually, the reason they do that is quite specific. They, they do it because you have to retract the kick quickly, right? So, for example, Bang, if I kick back. you in the body and I leave my leg hanging, you're going to catch it, especially if you're Thai. Trip you. Trip you, sure. Or Which is points-based, right? For sure. Which comes back to this it's whole a serious point of what's more effective. I mean, if you were – say Muay Thai wasn't points-based, right? And it's basically submission kickboxing, which is you fight until someone can't get up anymore, yeah. right? If, if someone traps, you could fall down, but then you could also get back up again. So and that you're penalized for trips in Muay Thai as well. Like it, it looks... Penalized or awarded? Tripped, well, it depends on the perspective. Oh, my God. But it's like if I kick you in the body, right? The point of the double kick. If I kick you in the body, if I don't bring it back quickly, if I don't quickly retract the kick... Is then you're going to catch it. Up, twist the hips and then in slap it. Yeah, side? but if I slap it and then when I slap it, I don't bring it back quickly. You're going to catch it. You're going to counter or there's like I got to keep pop. And as Straight fast punch, as I bring right? it to you and slam into it, I got to bring it back quickly right. or else you'll catch it or trip it. So they do multiple kicks in a row to practice the retracting the kick quickly because in, in Thai boxing, so were you they catch all the time. And you bring it back. Bop, bop. So you just kick, you reset, you kick oh, right away shit. on the same side. So I do the, the warm-up. Leg, body, head, double tap is the last set. So it ends up being 100 kicks. So it's a four-minute skip, and if 100 push kicks, knees, and then 100 kicks. And if you're doing 50 double kicks. 15 minutes, No, but if you're doing 50 double kicks, that's 100 fucking kicks. Yeah, exactly. So it's really double. It's for us a hobby shot. Which is why it creates 100, yeah. right? Because it's four sets, and you double up on the last set. Both legs, so it's 100 kicks. Which is fucking, that's my warm-up. So that's the first 15 minutes, or 10, 15 I'm minutes. I'm out. No, bro, it's good. I'm done. <laughs> and, then, and then you know how I end my warm-up is just taekwondo. Then I switch to taekwondo kicks. And I do okay. – you do round kick, heel kick, right? If I kick you – if I'm facing you, I kick you with my shin. And then I want to kick you with my heel, right? For those of you looking in the camera, if I'm squared up with you right th like this and I bring my shin across, tie style, and I kick you with my shin. Let's assume you're shin not there. Shin to the, like, knee? Yeah, to, to, the, the to the body or whatever, okay. right? And then let's just, let's assume you step back. Do you extend the leg or do you yeah, keep you it as an as like a little a bit pointed? bent, okay. a little bit bent. So I kick you like that, and then I bring my heel back across. So it's like a wheel kick or a heel kick, as you would call it, right? So I kick shin kick, I kick heel kick. I'm facing you the whole time. Shin, heel, shin, heel. So you woke up, you uh, work both sides of the hip flexibility. I can open my leg out 
to kick you so with my pushing shin, and, pulling and then back. I can open sort of anterior with my heel going up to kick you with my heel. So can you and go? Then, sh- and then, and then, no, just let me finish the warm up. And then, uh, oh my uh, god, this is the warm up. Yeah, exactly. And then with uh, the next part, uh, the next spot, I kick you with my shin. Then I, this was all one leg up to this point, is right? This right leg, le- right leg, right leg, uh, open, open. So I kick you with my right leg with my shin. Is that people or bags? My question is still says. It's, it's like a uh, shadow. Oh, so thing. you just, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. All right, okay, so let's you. say I kick you with my shin. I kick you with my heel. I kick you, same leg. The next one is I kick you with my shin, then I turn, and I kick you with my other heel. So it's so like right leg, left Bam. leg, right leg, left leg. So it's a r- tie kick and then a wheel kick, a tie kick and then a wheel kick. And then my third set is wheel kicks only. So I've gone from each one. I've gone shin kick. Then I went shin kick, heel kick with the opposite. Uh, same leg, shin kick, heel kick. Then I went shin kick, heel kick with the opposite leg. And then I only go heel kick. So, so your hip dexterity and your so flexibility. So only heel kicks is kind of that that's the short, wheel kick. sharp. Bang, that's bang. the Edson Barboza against Terry Adam. Right, where he spins and hits him with the heel and the chin and just and drops can him. You, uh, do you have a target? The head, the, the chin. Oh, it's always the head? Yeah. For that, it's always the head. Because the That's hip dexterity crazy. is the point of the drill. Have you ever considered doing MMA where you have a balloon and then a length of rope and then a little sandbag? Well, you want to get lost in the sand. <laughs> this is how you get lost in the sand. If I'm going to kick you, right? I'm, st- I'm square with you. Like we're, Our shoulders are the same right now, right? Yeah. We're shoulder to shoulder. Yeah. If I'm I want to win this, by the way, people yeah. at home. No, just watch. Take bets. Just watch. This guy. So this <laughs> is how you improve your head kick, right? If I want to kick you in the head, it's a possibility that it will go too low and I'll hit you in the body, right? I go like this. If I go up, yeah. then it'll hit me in the body. That's the fine. next but possibility. But you can adjust at the last yeah, point, right? No, not really at the last point. And the next one, let's go up. Let's say I'm trying to kick you in the head. Okay. I don't go over your shoulder. I'm kicking you in the armpit, for example, right? You block, and instead of going over your shoulder to your head, I hit you in the armpit. Right. Because you're either blocking yeah. or I didn't wrap the kick it, around. Because even if you're going higher, it'll catch and kind of slide Which down. Which is why right? you got to come over the top. So my Oof. drill for the kicking the head is like, if my guard, exactly, we're getting <laughs> lost in the weeds, bro. How if, high are you kicking up Exactly, here? exactly. If Holy my hands shit. are like this, right? Yeah. For the, those watching, I have my elbows in. Classic boxing stance, my knuckles are up to my chin. Almost if like I want to kick you in the ears. head, I have to make my kick go around and over your shoulder. Uh, if I kick like a V, it's going to come into your armpit, right? So you're trying to hit the temple? Yes. So I'm trying to, for the camera watching... If I go up and try to kick Greg in the head, he's, his shoulders are like this. If I go straight up like a V, I'm going to hit him in the armpit every time because he'll have his guard up. Flash to the armpit. Boom. Armpit flash. Sorry, we're gone. <laughs> the next <laughs> one is if I want to kick him in the head, I have to go over his shoulder and beep, around. Beep, 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 so the drill is be- to open up your hips really wide when you kick to, if you're right-legged, to turn your knee out so you come over the shoulder. And when you do those kicks, like I do in my warm-up, you get flexibility kicking over the shoulder, both directionally in front. So I would kick over your right shoulder like this, mm-hmm. right? Or I can turn Pow! over your right shoulder, your other shoulder. No, your head. That's the point of the of the of stretching. Wait, so you're turning that way, and then wheel kick your right heel to my face. I turn like this for the camera watching. I turn. I'm I'm left leg in front. I spin over my right shoulder. I turn. Heel goes over your left shoulder, so you're going your right up, shoulder. You're going up at a huge angle. Yeah, exactly. Because if you don't, holy go, shit! Exactly. So if you don't have the hip dexterity, you can't get over the shoulder, and that's true of both ways. If I kick you straight on, it's yeah, gonna, yeah, and I want to yeah, kick yeah. you in the head, it's going to hit you in the armpit. If I don't open my hips up and go around, holy I can't target your head. 
If I want to wheel kick and go the other direction, if I don't have hip dexterity to come over your shoulder, I'm going to kick you in the armpit. So my so hips have to open. That's a spinning heel kick to the yes. head. Yes. You're training anyone who wants to learn. Beginners. Stronghold <laughs> MMA. What's Beginners. up? Let's that's go. A, that's my warm-up. Holy crap, So my warm-up is like 300-ish leg strikes plus the skipping. But even, listen, even white belts, absolute beginners. I had a 40-something-year-old woman come in for a trial on the weekend. Sorry, this even beginners be can do it. to you, but this, I'm not That's fit. That's my beginner class. Beginners oh, can do shit. it. 45-year-old woman came in to trial on the weekend, and I did the exact same drill. And, you know, the, the level of uh, also skill a huge pussy. <laughs> changes. The level of skill changes, yeah. but... Anybody can do it. You just do the and same you thing. You just go at your own pace. Remember we were and then over talking time, about the the adaptability. Yeah, we got to finish up here too. Sure, man. Pretty soon. But the, keep remember on. we were talking about the adaptability of saying the hand in the front and all these ten degrees, twenty degrees. And now you're throwing kicks between body up, up shoulder, with both the sides shoulder, of my leg, because heel like, and shin. What if someone protects like this? What if someone protects like this? What if someone protects like this? Mm. You're gonna have to have so many different arcs and like if you run it a thousand times. Imagine the matrix of like different places this is going to land. And then having to read your opponent to see what, what matrix are, are available in that given situation, which changes constantly. That's why he's the coach. Right? <laughs> that was coach. fucking fascinating, bro. It, but it's, it's, it's infinity in any direction. Yeah. With phys- it's infinity plus physical violence. <laughs> like, like it's you just can say no to physical violence. At you? infantum. Like you can just, you can just go. And then uh, that's the beauty of MMA is like, take your martial arts. I don't care what it is. Go, just go and then see where the deficiencies lie, whether it's on the feet, on the ground. Are your punches inadequate because you're uh, I know a finishing. kicker? Are your kickers in- inadequate because you're a boxer? Then go to the ground. Are you a leg guy? Or are you an upper body guy? Are you a strong guy or are you a quick guy? Like last thought for the end of the podcast. Mm. MMA is a collection of martial arts. Mixed. Any. Mixed martial any arts. Any martial right? art. Well. That's what it implies. Yes and no. Right? Because you still but have. that's how it started. But you still have bias towards jujitsu, Muay Thai, wrestling. Right? Do you think in the next couple of years, because we've seen such a fresh flood of. Uh, I say fresh flood, but it's been going on for years. People are killers from Russia. Combat from Sambo. Every, yeah. But right? yeah the, Do you think that Combat countries. Sambo is going to introduce itself into martial arts in the next couple of years in the way that Muay Thai or Jiu-Jitsu or boxing, which is so synonymous with the whole brand, yeah. right? Do you think that Combat Sambo will will get in there? Well, it's interesting you say this because you said it earlier. Yeah. So it's Because I'm so fascinated is, about this it. This is why I, wanna, I like having you on the podcast too because we can talk about any variety and of things. And I know things. nothing. But also, <laughs> I can tell you're genuinely interested because I we, know. you spoke to me about this when Quan was on the podcast yep. earlier today. You were like, hey, what do you think about the Sambo thing? And we yep. happened to be off camera. Yep. And then you bring it back. Yep. And this question still is there, which means there's a genuine interest that's not. No one's forcing you to do that. It's it, inherent in your... It's, it's, line of it, thought. It's judo jiu-jitsu wrestling. Yeah. And the answer to your question punching. is... Punching. It's judo, yeah. judo, judo kick-facing, so jiu-jitsu punching. There's two kinds of sambo. Right? There's two kinds of sambo. Okay. Like, for example, Singapore has a sambo team, of which I know a few who are... Yeah, they do. They, you can... They, actually, they just posted on the podca- uh, podcast on a Instagram man? today of their really? team. Yeah. It's like That's amazing. They also have a... Congratulations. They also have a jiu-jitsu team now. A jiu-jitsu team. A national team. Yeah. And even Major was talking about maybe getting Charmaine on there because she's 50 kg. <laughs> and they don't have the 50 kg girl right now. So anyway, I'll but they also it. have that for Sambo. I they work travel kids. internationally and they do that. 
So there's two kinds of samba. You have the traditional samba, which is kind of like jiu-jitsu. I also identify as a 50-kilo woman. And a samba expert. <laughs> and they wear the jacket and the no pants. Not no pants. Shorts. Pants. No pants. pants. Greek style. Ancient Greece, Fuck baby. Pants. And so I they wear the jacket wear cup. and then they <laughs> wear the shorts. Right? Okay. But it's basically jiu-jitsu. And then there's the combat samba, which is like Khabib and Fedor. And they actually the kind of three quarter shorts, right? And the half in the red rash guard or red yeah. gi or whatever. But they also throw punches with MMA gloves and I shin pads. I feel like that's the best one. That's amateur MMA, basically. But I, I and mean, to answer your question, they have a whole system for it. So you said earlier, is that gonna creep in? It's already in. But because Khabib, I mean, yes Khabib is, is a combat sambo. Fedor it, is a combat sambo right. guy. It's only no, no, yes, it is, and no, it isn't because it's in because people have been practitioners of it but in terms of a if i said mma to anyone that kind of knew what i was talking about they'd say jiu-jitsu boxing muay thai right mm. that's it i don't think people would say judo sambo right i and don't what think if you're in europe but people would also say maybe right, but wrestling. where in europe well the point is is it's especially because there's a huge rise and we'll, we'll finish up on this point because you you is the one you were saying anyway there's a huge That's rise in yeah, Dagestani, sorry. for example. Just right. a small example. Dagestani MMA. Khabib is from yep. Dagestan. Zabit, who just fought this weekend, is also from Dagestan. And there's a whole plethora of these guys. Magomed Sharipov. Uh, no, that's Zabit. Uh, what's the other guy? Islam Makachev. I think he's also um, Dagestani. There's a lot. I'm going to interrupt again. Go ahead. UFC, like one or two or whatever. You had all these different people fighting with all these different styles, and then one guy came in, jiu-jitsu, crushed it, right? I kind of feel like MMA right now is all the skills, but then Sambo is sitting on the side to be that jiu-jitsu to the number one M like UFC. Yeah. I feel like it's kind of like, oh, it's super cute. What? Oh, you can do these things on the ground. Oh, you can do these things striking. Oh, you can... Have you seen us? Yeah. Which is everything together in such a flow. Like, like what? The, I feel like it's the number one. You can talk about being. It's very the most good integrated MMA. already. Hundred percent. They're the they the, they've already had the striking combined with the wrestling and all those with the degrees of difference that we were talking yeah. about. They've trained. Yeah. Ad infinitum. But I think right? the distinction is is that the Brazilians mastered the art on the ground. Sambo emphasized more the striking wrestling See, combination, yeah, yeah. but the Brazilians took the submission specific grappling to the next level. Best which Brazilian is of all time. Starting on the ground, because hey, you're in a fight. Best Brazilian of all time. Best combat sambo guy of all time. What happens? It's a, well, okay, let's unless we gotta finish pretty soon. Sure, but let's let's take for example. I'm so sorry. I know. I'm just so know. fascinated. We're 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 done soon. But let me give you a the most interesting take of recent memory for yep. analogous. Damian Maya Ben Askren, right? Okay, so what you have? It's not. But he was a wrestler. He wasn't a sambo guy. Sure, there's some differentiation that you can get between the two of them, but the premise is pretty much the same. Is if sambo I closer to jujitsu or wrestling? It's it's the only blend other than Valley Tudo. Okay. It's, oh, it's, it's yeah. Which also oh, existed shit. in Brazil. Yeah. So this is why the Brazilians don't get the right, right, the, right. the the 
they mastered submission yeah. wrestling. Yeah. But yeah. submission wrestling is not the same as wrestling. And then yeah. like Valetudo or uh, Sambo, to your point, is not the same as all those other things. Like they add the striking to the combination. But let's say they're on the ground, <sighs> right? so many variables. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but let's say the combat Sambo person takes the jiu-jitsu person down. There's a couple questions. One, does the jiu-jitsu person know strike defense? And two, does, does the combat Sambo person on top have the same skill level as the Brazilian, on, for example, on bottom? Yep. Yeah, and I would argue that the Brazilians took the submission game to the next level. I feel level. like we can't even do it because to every you you say, let's say this guy took this guy down. I might go, let's say he didn't. Well, the only let's say what he went for the arm. Let's say he didn't. The only distinction you know, is MMA. Yeah. MMA is basically that, and what you've seen is Brazilians dominate MMA. And if there were these masters, Fedor is an example. Khabib is an example. But Brazilians and Americans have been dominating but MMA from the beginning. It's also and you can't an discount exercise that's the most effective. And who was around where, right? Yes, but so the skill level, the skill level, right. has been. If we're talking about like integration of martial arts if skills, if I think about Fedor, fucking Fedor Emelianenko, holy shit, he is this demon that competes in all forms, and he comes from here and will decimate people and then disappear back into the fucking forest and fight bears right he 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 chokes out ghosts as far as i'm concerned right he, he he's this like god myth man right but he also i feel like he had the he was one of the purest martial artists in terms of applying different skill sets yeah. into one combined thing. He had the whole thing. thing right? He had the guard, he had the striking, right. he had the top wrestling, the But this is also, hey, when was, when was, uh, was it, oh, not K1, in, in Japan, um, it was like the 90s, right? Be more specific. Uh, uh, what? Fucking MMA pride? The Axe Murderer? Fucking yeah, that was pride in the 90s. Right. Early 2000s, depending. Was it early 2000s? Was yeah. it early 90s? To 2000s is when, like, Shogun okay. won the Grand Prix in 2005. Fair. So okay. early 2000s. So, so you also have this this difference of like information being available, right? If you were in the UK, anyone that did kung fu was basically a Chinese dude that lived in a fucking monastery and knew dragons, right? Yeah. If you're doing a little bit of wrestling in the states. Any, anyone that knows combat sambo lives in the woods and fight bears, right? And as the, as more people have fought and as more things have come together and the internet has grown and things have come, like you be able to see these points like like crystallize become more clear, yeah. right? So to have what's my point? I feel like um, there's an integration almost of all martial arts at this point. That's the good thing about MMA, like even the Taekwondo stuff, right? Like yep. the, it's really uncommon to hit people with a heel in MMA. It happens, right? Like Terry Adams. Who's expecting on the way back? Yeah, exactly. But you see people like Anthony Pettis, yep. who integrates Taekwondo into MMA. And the same thing for Fedor, who integrated Sambo. And then you have boxers, of course, and you have the Damian Mayas, the jiu-jitsu masters. And then uh, and you, of every style, you can pick a dominant champion, like Khabib or yep. Fedor is the Sambo guy. And then you can pick, like, the jiu-jitsu masters. There's Hoist Gracie, for example, Damian Maya, blah, blah, blah. You have the kickboxing masters. Those are the Ernesto Hoosts and the... Oh. But you even what have MMA kickboxers, nice guy, like Crocop. Like he seems lovely. You have Crocop. You have the, all these guys who are made famous for their uh, kickboxing. 
you have the wrestlers, you have the Matt Hughes's, you have the blah, 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 right? Through every style, you can find in modern MMA masters of that discipline. And I think that it just says something going forward, like they just did the UFC in um, Moscow, and Zabit's fighting on that card. Yep. He's also from Dagestan, like Khabib. And then you have the, you know, you got the judo masters, and you have the, like, for well, I don't think Yama, I don't think there's the best the martial artists. Martial yeah. I, I, I think we've... I think there's too much information and too much general knowledge and too much experimentation. I don't think there's a best guy. Yeah. I think that it's not a best guy and there's not a best style. That's what you're learning. But it'll come down to like you have two two guys and they'll both roll ten dice each and it'll work that time. But it's even like that. Like if you roll with somebody at uh, a top level, right? Like if I roll with another high level guy, like. It's, there's sometimes where I tap them. There's sometimes that they yeah. tap me. And even against the highest level guys, I've sometimes caught them. And then most of the time, I'm getting fucked up, right? Like nine out of ten, but one out of ten, I catch them. But so there's even something to say. Like if we have a fight, how do you know? What's the opportunity that's one out of ten? That exists. That potential exists. It's, it's unlikely, but it happens. But if you roll right? Buster with Douglas, Mike Tyson, I, I, Andy Ruiz, and Anthony Joshua, these things happen. I feel so rude calling you a brown belt because you're not. <laughs> I don't. I know nothing of the jiu-jitsu community. I know nothing of the skills base, but I feel like I can appreciate character. Oh, back, actually. And you are a black belt, my friend. Well, thank you. Anyway, uh, but we'll, 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 we'll go down that route maybe soon. But we got to finish up this you. podcast. Sure, man. let's do it. Let's do it. Let's kill it. I don't want. We could go for fucking three hours more, bro. <laughs> and uh, so I want to thank you guys, Greg, Greg Spears, the brewmaster, brujitsu. And Quan, and Quan, who left earlier. We appreciate you, Quan. Thanks for coming on. And Wugong. The sensible one. Appreciate you for staying Quan, late. Quan, the sensible one. We're going to get Wugong a mic. I insist, man. I've said it on the podcast officially. You have no choice. We've got to get you a mic because your opinion deserves to be heard. Let me know when you're coming to do jiu-jitsu. I will come to jiu-jitsu, and you'll get two spazzy white belts. Hook it doing up. Doing the thing. You guys can train I'm together. only saying this so it's on film that together. I have something to come See? and, you know. We're going, that's, that's Keeping myself accountable. When you make something public, you have no choice but to do it. Oh, <laughs> fuck. Okay, everybody. Stronghold episode. Slash brother. Stronghold podcast episode 10. Greg Spears, James Kwan. Thank you guys for listening. Cheers.